Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Board of Selectmen meeting for Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. The meeting is hereby called to order. Um, and as always, I'll note that this meeting is being video recorded. And we will begin by taking a moment of appreciation for our troops serving around the globe in defense of our country. Great. Thank you very much. We have a very full agenda for ourselves this evening. Um, Christine is penalizing us for the week off we took last Tuesday. Um, and just to note on that, uh, with respect to the items on the hospital and the town meeting, I'm not intending to take public comment on those tonight. There's going to be public comment opportunities on both in the near future. And so in the interest of time and moving it along and, uh, and good order of the meetings, we're not gonna take public comment on those. Um, and I probably won't take public comment on the affordable housing trust item unless we're inclined to actually vote to issue the RFP, which I don't think we will tonight. It'll probably be a preliminary um, discussion, but we will take public comment on items five and uh, thereafter. So just a housekeeping item to begin. And we start with Town Clerk Marion Binaldi, who is here to request us to approve appointments of election warden and election inspectors for the special town meeting and special town election. Welcome, Town Clerk Marion Binaldi. All the way from downstairs. All the way from downstairs. Oh, well, hold on. This is Gus's first meeting. He's got to put his speaker on. All right. So I gave you a list of our election inspectors and they're for the town meeting and the election. Mm -hmm. Tracy Clank would be the election warden for both, overseeing the inspectors and the vote and all that jazz with me. So I just wanted to make sure to get this appointment done and in the books before we move forward. I was uncertain as to how many more times you would be meeting prior to those events. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pete, any questions? Comments? No. Gus, questions? No questions. What is, is there a difference between an election warden and an election inspector? No, inspector's just fancier. Inspector's okay. the James Mullen word. Uh -huh. Everybody else uses workers. He goes by the book. That's what I learned. That's what we're doing. All right. So these are <laughs> so. election wardens and election inspectors, and they'll work at both the special town meeting and the town election. Yes. Some not duplicate up, you know what I mean? Crisscrossing, but those are essentially all of your people. Very good. Well, thank you to all of them for volunteering. Um, that's two long days there. Very long days. The They're a good group. Town, so I appreciate it. Gus, do we have a motion? I move that we approve the list point, of point, uh, point, point, excuse yeah. me. Let's approve appointments. We appoint. I move that we appoint the uh, list of election wardens and election inspectors for the special town meeting and the special town election submitted by town clerk Marion Benaldi. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? None. All right. Well, congratulations thank to you. the warden slash inspectors. And thank you very much. Marion, all right. Um, I believe town moderator Scott McDermott is appearing remotely. Has he appeared? He has not appeared yet. Okay. All right. So I think we can move to our portions of the business, which is a vote to call the special town meeting, a vote to open the special town meeting warrant, and vote to close the warrant at the conclusion of the meeting, and a vote to sign the special town meeting warrant, and then we can welcome Scott if he arrives um, for that discussion. So first question is a vote to call the special town meeting. Pete, Gus, comments, discussion, motions. I'm ready for a motion. 
Well, I, I do have comments. All right. Um, as you know, from a couple of weeks ago, I, I raised concerns about scheduling this special town meeting and having had, especially since uh, over the last three weeks when we were talking about net zero a few weeks ago, I have had plenty of time to mull this over. Uh, and I am not in favor of us calling a special town meeting for the seventh. Uh, the, the main reason is I've, as I've thought about this, I'm not at all convinced that we're not setting the town up for a failed vote. And I think the consequences of that failed vote are not good. Uh, based on uh, Tim Bonfatti's comments, my assessment is if that vote fails, we're another five or six years away from being able to put a school up or likely to be another five or six years away. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I actually think we need a school and we need it sooner rather than later. I'm not satisfied that the work has all been done that should be done for it, for the town to really be prepared to vote on this. I think there's still even some work for this, the uh, building committee to do around the financing. As, as you know, I'm, I'm, I have some tighter targets for what the total school cost should be. And I think that we have not really taken a hard look at how that total amount, if that is the total project, how it should be funded. Uh, we've just kind of thrown everything on the taxpayers back to include the net zero cost. And uh, for me, right at first, I was worked up about that on a cost basis, but then I realized what I'm really worked up on is the impact on the taxpayers. Uh, and I think there's more work to be done to try to reduce that. So between that and some of the disagreements, I'm not convinced that it's a wise thing for us to call the meeting on the 7th. Okay. Pete? Gus, I guess I would ask you then, what uh, what do you see as the alternative uh, way forward? I think, I think I'm, I'm not saying don't have a town meeting at all on this project at all forever and ever. What I'm saying is I don't think we're ready for the town meeting yet. One piece that I think we should look at is to have the building committee take a hard look at the uh, funding on how we're going about doing things. As I said, the net zero, we had a selectman from Lexington come in and basically say their entire net zero project for their school was covered through Eversource. And we found out three weeks ago that Eversource isn't putting any, a dime into any of the things that we're doing here. So I don't think we've explored that fully. Uh, there's a few other things uh, around how we might finance some parts of this project that do not involve going on the tax levy. Uh, as I thought about it, I realized that the, the Wheelock school improvement terms, it, it makes sense to do it when we do the school, but that's actually not a school project. It's an additional capital improvement that we're building in there. And so there's, there's some questions around how we would fund some of this that I don't think has been figured out. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna go, I think there are some open questions around what the school is and whether it really needs to be as big as it is based on projections of, of students and things like that. But it, I, I'm not really trying to open up that debate, I'm saying there's some open questions that could have an impact on the school and could potentially have an impact on people's support for the school uh, that it would be worth taking more time to get to. Okay, so so what is your alternative proposal for funding the school? Well, so something like six million, we're at 62 million. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want me to give you a detailed plan for how to alternatively, develop the school, I can't do that. I'll say right now that we're proposing 62 million in town funding 
tech, you know, debt funding to cover the school. By the standard I had, that's 12 million too high. So you have to get 12 million off of the debt and on something else. Six million of that, thereabouts, is money that if we were Lexington, and if we had taken a hard look at the net zero requirements, if Lexington could get their net zero program funded through Eversource, to me, that's six million that we just haven't really tried to get off the cost to the town. Uh, that's half of the 12. And I, the other one, yeah, I have some ideas on other things, but I'm not proposing that I know how to get the other six off. But I think it's possible to get the other six off. Well, it's not just six, though. Right? I mean, it's it's. I'm saying it's twelve million too high. Right, right the, now. The, or that's the town the share. It's the town share. So that you've got to actually shave like eighteen million off the total project to shave thirteen million off the town share. Well, no, not all the things that might come up. Not really, because I'm talking about how we fund it. I'm not talking about what the cost of the school is. Right. So I'm not trying to say let's not do net zero and make six million go away. I'm saying. Let's figure out how to get six million covered by something other than town debt. Mm -hmm. It's still in on the project, so it doesn't affect the MSBA mm -hmm. funding. There are some other things you could look at where we're putting money into things that the MSBA is not is not subsidizing. Those would be places to at least look at uh, because they're not going to affect MSBA funding. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, and your view is that nobody tried to get money from any other source. Yes, and I'm not happy about that. And, and what is the basis of your view that nobody tried to get money from every source? When Mike Quinlan came in and I asked, how, how is this being paid for? And the answer was completely by the debt on the project. Right. And I mean, there, there is, I mean, I, oh, that well, is I mean, the conclusion. Your, but what's your view that Lexington was able to get the entire net zero covered by Eversource? Right. I, I don't know that that's true. So uh, I, mean, I, I, I have not know. necessarily accepted. I mean, I know that that he's been held up as the guru of all gurus here. I've not necessarily accepted the. Sandine analysis beyond the work that was done by the people who dug into this particular project. So it may well be that if Lexington got it all funded through Eversource, they had more political clout than we did. They had more of a sponsor there for us. There was some program they were able to participate in. I mean, I, I think this net zero issue um, was pretty thoroughly explored. And I, I, I think if there was free money available from somebody else, I'm fairly certain the people who are working, who are very interested in the net zero would have found that free money. And so I, I, I don't- I'm not at all convinced that that's true. I, I know, right? I, I know. And, and, and yeah. you're making a factual assertion that nobody tried to do it. Um, and I don't know that, that you have, that's factually true or not, but all right, I understand where you're coming from. You don't want to call a town meeting until right. they've met your standard for the, the price of the project. Until we've looked at it, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've looked at it, but well, I mean, it's. I'm not convinced we have. But, I'm okay. sure. That's yeah. Any comment, Pete? Well, I think that the the, parts, the, the school has been vetted uh, very thoroughly, um, and uh, including the uh, net zero issues. Um, I just assumed that we were ready to go ahead. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I, I I am of the view as well that at this point we are we have vetted this as thoroughly as possible, and we are. As a town, I think this is the time to vote on it. We've taken an extended period of time on this. We've had several um, delays to explore different pieces of this. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't know what another six months is going to do. Right. I don't I don't necessarily I don't think another six months is going to have the people in the town in a position to accept the school that would look like what it would have to look like to meet your number. And so I don't think people would accept that school. To be honest with you. No cafeteria, no gym. No music room, no extra stuff, and all the stuff you'd have to have to get to shave eighteen million dollars off the project. Because I've asked these questions on this particular point, and that's the point at which you're you're, what you're talking about. You're not talking about 
um, modest changes to the building. So the main point, I guess I'm saying, is I'm not optimistic that we're going to get a successful vote. And because I'm not, I think this is the wrong time. We haven't set this up for success. All right. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, it's, well, there's only so, one way to find out. And I, I don't know that I, I've I ever gone into a... That that's yeah. the, the attitude is you either prove this or something really bad is going to happen. Uh, I don't think that's the right setup for the taxpayers, the residents of the town. I think, I mean, I think we ought to deal with the issues... I think there are a lot of people in town that are concerned about the tax impact, and there'll be an even larger number of people in town that'll be concerned about the tax impact as they were after the overrides a few years ago, once they saw them. Uh, and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a good place to leave the town if it does pass, and I don't think it's a good place to leave the town if it doesn't pass. So okay, I mean, I, I think at this point it, the people should have their say one way or the other, and I, I don't I don't see. A no vote is like this great catastrophe. I mean, I think if people vote no, there are consequences of a no, there are consequences of a yes. Uh, you know, and any prudential, and that's what this is, this is a prudential political judgment, right? This is not an existential question about um, A, B, or C. This is a prudential judgment about what's in the best interest of the town. With any prudential judgment, there are trade-offs. There are always upsides, there are downsides. There are, when we went into the town meeting on the state hospital, I don't think we had a guarantee that the zoning was gonna pass. And when we went in, and we've gone into a lot of town meetings with important questions with, with uncertainty yes. about the outcome, and that's the nature of having the town meeting as a legislative body rather than trying to preempt it ourselves and say, we're just gonna decide ourselves, we're not gonna do this now until we meet um, whatever requirements you have. And you look, you've been clear throughout this process mm -hmm. as to what those requirements were. I, I think from the school buildings committees were saying, we would love for the building to be cheaper. Let me, I would be, love let to me be clear. The number. Let me be clear. The issues I have on cost will be issues that will drive whether or not I vote to approve, recommend approval of the article. The issue I have here on the table tonight is I do not believe that we are headed down a path that's likely to lead us to a successful vote. I don't believe we have set this issue up in the way that we normally set issues like this up in Medfield, where people have had adequate time for respectful dialogue, and in this particular case, has become more polarized. And as I've thought it through, I've said part of what I think has not happened is the, the building committee developed a plan and came up with a cost. The piece that has not been Take, has, hasn't been taken care of yet, is the looking hard at the alternative ways to generate the funds to cover that full cost. It's just the default is put it on the backs of the taxpayers. And I think there's a good number of taxpayers who maybe aren't ready to support that. And that all contributes to why I don't think there's going to be a two-thirds majority. Right. Well, that may be true. And, and then, then we'll have an answer to that question. I just don't think that another six months is going to you know, generate more free money. I mean, I just don't think that, that the free money, I mean, there's always the free money option and it's always much more attractive to think of somebody else paying for the stuff we want. Um, a lot of times that's just not how it actually works. And well, so, yeah. I mean, so if, if the idea is we're going to take six more months to find more free money, then, uh, you know, we're not going to find more free money. And so I think at this point we have had um, a long period of discussion, and I think people deserve a chance to vote. I think the people who are against it deserve a chance to have their view prevail if that's it and have an answer on it. Um, I just don't know that six or nine more months is going to generate a, a grand consensus, particularly if the people we're most hearing from are the people on both sides who feel the most strongly about it. I don't think for the people on either end of it who feel the most strongly are ever going to come around and say, you know what, now this 
I, I, this thing has now persuaded me when these other 75 things haven't. So I think for, we, for the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people in town we have not heard from will have an opportunity to be a participant. It may well be that you're right and you'll be correct and you can come back on November 16th. I'll take no satisfaction and, from being right. Okay. I, 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 whether you do or you don't. And, and, and I'll take no satisfaction of being wrong. Um, but I, I think to, to, to have another six to nine months of this, I don't think you're going to get... Um, first, I don't think you're going to get free money in that period, and I don't think you're going to get um, improved, more respectful dialogue in the next 69 months if we drag this period on further. And so I, I think, and if you look to history, you look the last time we did a school project, it was very divisive and controversial, and there were multiple votes, and it failed one time, and they had to go back and vote again. So yes, I think when you have a project opposed, of this... The si people who opposed the first, that first failure you're referring to the seniors were the very first ones who got up and spoke in favor of the alternative because they'd all been brought in and it came back together. Mm -hmm. This is not the same as the last school project. The only thing that might be the same about it is if we're saying, look, this is what it is. Either you take it or turn it down and we're going to come back a year later and you're going to get a worse school for the same price. That's a threat. That's not an option. Well, we, we don't know that, right? But, but there, yeah, there are yeah. facts, though, Gus. Right? But it, it, there are facts that that's a possibility. That is what happened with the DPW garage. Now, you can say that's a threat or yeah. it's a fact, right? And, and, or, or it's a possibility. And you don't know, right? It's a prudential judgment so, about what's so, going to happen. And, and so to me, don't. at this point, even if I agreed with you on the substance, which I obviously don't, um, you know, I wouldn't substitute my judgment to say, um, I'm not going to give the 1,500 or 2,000 people who are going to come out to town meeting an opportunity to have their say on it. If they have their say against it, then they do. And, and that's the way, well, that's the way it works. That's my democracy. point isn't to prevent them from having their say. My point is that as selectmen, we should call the town meeting at the point in time when we think we've done the best we can, when the taxpayers do come and have their say, that they're informed we've done what we can to address the issues of concern. I don't think we're there yet. You, I guess, are saying, well, it's not going to get any better than this. Uh, I'm saying I don't think this is going to lead to a successful outcome. That may, I, again, I, what I'm saying is I don't see six to nine months shaving 18 or 19 million dollars off the project or finding. Uh, you're, making, you're making numbers up. Mike. No, no, we, Gus, Gus, I'm not making. Look, I'm not there. making numbers. I've up, already Gus. said why I think we can do that. You're saying I don't think we can do that, and you've raise the number by 50% over what we need to do. No, so what we don't no. need to have that discussion. No, Gus, Gus your, your position has been yes. that you want it to be $50 million town contribution, right? And, and that the, the, the proposal... It's not, it's not my position. You two, if you look at the town goals, the goals that we collectively approved, and you look in the financial goals, take a look at our own goals. Our own goals say that we will not have debt that leads the total debt of this town to exceed the town budget. This is not me just picking numbers out of nowhere. This is me standing up for the town goals that we approved four years ago. Okay, terrific. And I disagree with you. I think it's a goal. And I think it's not the, again, with faced with this prudential choice, I think this is a better alternative than the alternative. But, and I'm not trying to, you know, put words in your mouth, but if you're going to talk about getting it from a $63 million town contribution to a $50 million town contribution, it's not necessarily just a reduction of $13 million. It may be a larger reduction because part of the overall budget is the MSBA contribution, of which the town is a percentage. Or it may not so, be a reduction in the cost. It may be using other funds to pay for it. And, and I appreciate that. And I, I just don't think that 
<laughs> you know, I, I think given the concern over cost in this project, that if there was an opportunity to get other sources of funding, that would have been identified. I just, I just the, don't the accept the notion that right, that there's right, a bunch of free right. money think, that's been left on the table. I think we've both stated our position. I'm not convinced of the concern over cost. You're not. You don't believe there's any opportunities there. That's fine. We have different views. I don't believe this town meeting will lead to a successful conclusion. Uh, you, you, the two of you either think it might or you think it won't, but it'll serve people right. I, it's okay. I've, I've stated my position. I think this is the wrong time. Yeah, I don't know if it will or it won't. I'm not right. placing any bets on it. I think people right. deserve a chance to vote on this project. And that's what I think we should do. So, Pete, do we have a motion to vote to call a special town meeting? Uh, so moved. Second. All in favor? Yeah. Aye. Opposed? Nay. All right. And do you want to move to vote to open the special town meeting warrant? And then we'll close it at the conclusion of the meeting. Having, having two selectmen vote for the town meeting, I will, in fact, vote in favor of the next two. So right. I move that we vote to open the special town meeting warrant. You move to. He's moving, yeah. You had a second. Yes. I thought you said you voted. No, you um, got a second. Sorry. No, I said I moved. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? And vote to sign the special town meeting warrant. I move that we sign the special town meeting warrant. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. And I see Scott, uh, Scott moderator. Scott McDermott, the town moderator, has arrived live and in person, not on Zoom. Welcome, Scott. Would you like to have a microphone in the back or would you like to have the podium in the front? Switch glasses. How's everyone? Okay, so hello to everyone tonight. Hello to everyone here. Uh, hello to everybody who might be viewing at home. And a particular uh, hello to all those people that might watch this on video, as I've been watching dozens and dozens of meetings uh, over the past uh, 18 months or listening to them on my headsets as I walk around on Medfield TV and YouTube channel. So appreciate all of that and appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk a little bit about the guidelines and procedures uh, for town meeting. Um, so with the closing of the warrant tonight, there's a kind of a transfer of responsibility in some respects from the selectmen to the moderator. Now, normally in for annual town meeting, you know, this happens at the end of January, early February when the when the warrant is closed. And at that point, we start to uh, do our planning for the annual town meeting here. We just have a little less than three weeks from the closing of the warrant uh, to the conducting of the special town meeting. So. I'm really pleased to be here and to be able to talk a little bit about uh, these guidelines and procedures. Um, so beginning from now on, I suppose when we close the meeting, it becomes the responsibility of the moderator to orchestrate the meeting and then to preside over the proceedings on November 7th. Uh, a little bit of an advance of that, I, you know, I, I do want to express the honor and pleasure that I'll have of inviting folks and encouraging all registered voters of the town of Medfield to attend and participate in what I think is a, is a very a special, special town meeting. Uh, we are an open town meeting form of government. That means from our town charter, the legislative authority of the town shall be vested in the town meeting open to all registered voters. So that goes to the very nature of 
you know, the form of our government. Uh, sometimes as I kind of read commentary, that some, seems to be a little bit uh, lost on, you know, on folks that that's, that's what we are. The town meeting uh, is, is not an event so much as it is an entity in the same way that a state legislature is an entity or Congress or the Senate is, a, is an entity. And it's also a process. And this process, has, in this instance, has been going on for, for a long time. And I think people are now ready and enthusiastic uh, to have the meeting and to make the determinations. I think of town meeting as a direct democratic participatory self-government, direct meaning that it's not representative, uh, democratic meaning it's by and for the people, participatory meaning that those registered voters who come are the legislators. Uh, it's charged with making laws and decisions, and in this particular case, with making appropriations. And actually, it's quite a unique and revered uh, institution where lawmaking actually occurs by an assembly of the voters. Uh, that is very, very unique around the world. So, uh, you know, for me, I cherish it and I think we should appreciate it uh, as we go forward to become part of this entity and we work through this profit, profits, process. Um, it is not perfect. In fact, it is imperfect. I think we've proven that sufficiently over time that it's, it's not perfect. Uh, but it does mean we must come together. We speak with one another. We listen. We deliberate. And ultimately, we express our point of view by voting. Uh, it's a very pure, pure form of uh, democratic uh, governance. Um, one of the things great about being the town moderator is that I have the honor of writing a short letter published each spring in the first page of our annual warrant report. Each year, I speak about Medfield being a special place. From this year's warrant report, I said, here in Medfield, I believe we have a special place to call our home. We are a community. We share common purpose. We value education, community, open space, safe streets and homes, the well-being of the young and the old, quality municipal service, the advancement of local commerce. And we always talk about how it takes hard work, open and active communication, and a deep commitment to the town's best interest to achieve these uh, common objectives. So I think that this is something for us to, you know, to, to bear in mind as we think about heading into this meeting, and it will certainly be something for us to bear in mind as we come out of the meeting. Uh, this notion of uh, community. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big proponent of uh, civic engagement, so I want to commend everybody. I can't imagine a situation where we would have had more civic engagement. Um, uh, you know, my, my life personally has been enriched by the people I've met, the experience I've had, and the lessons that I've learned uh, by being engaged in Medfield. So I commend the engagement on this issue of all of the people from all sides of the question, volunteers and individuals. Uh, you know, I do want to speak to volunteers, looking out at many of the volunteers, people throughout this uh, entire uh, situation who come to this as volunteers. I, I, I always tell people that I feel like I have a special uh, place to speak for volunteers because I'm probably the only volunteer that each year presides over a formal vote that sets uh, his salary at zero. And uh, so speaking on behalf of everybody, I thank all the people who have been volunteering as a part of this process on the committees, uh, you know, as individuals expressing their point of views. Uh, so that's it. So now talking about a little bit, uh, I always speak to where I get my guidance from uh, and where I get the, uh, the capacity to be able to exercise my discretion as moderator at town meeting. And I put the emphasis that this comes from the use of my best judgment principles of fairness, principles of ex expedience and prudence, uh, 
uh, consideration of the best interests of our community and past precedence in the administration of town meeting. We operate free from the technicalities of strict parliamentary procedure. Uh, the town elects its moderator each year, and it's to a one-year term. Uh, so I am elected to exercise my judgment and my discretion with good faith. I looked up the definition of good faith, and good faith is uh, is the honesty of intention. So, you know, I expressed today, I'll express again, and I think it, uh, hopefully people can be confident that it is my honest intention to conduct a right down the middle of the fairway meeting. It's a challenge. I'll do my best. Uh, I actually appreciate uh, special town meetings because it gives us the opportunity to be able to concentrate on a, a single article or a, a small cadre of articles. Uh, it's a little more difficult when there are 37 articles uh, on the agenda and there's a lot of movement. You have to be thinking always ahead about how much time uh, do you have to be able to address the articles that are remaining, particularly if you're using the lottery system. So uh, this enables me as moderator and all of the folks who gather to be able to put their focus on the issue that is at hand. And I think that's good. The words that have been coming to my mind uh, during the course of preparing for this are convergence and complexity. This is a complex undertaking. Um, you know, convergence, well, what's convergence? Convergence of these various forces. I mean, we're still, uh, COVID has been a force the last two times that we gathered as towns. We gathered outside on the turf. We have a compelling, maybe a once in a generation type of issue. We had it a, a generation ago when I was much younger. Uh, it is addressing the education in our children. It is fiscally strategic. It's all happening in a, in a social and a political climate that is uh, often negative and sometimes divisive and, and often mistrustful. And uh, sometimes in ways that I, I don't really recognize uh, some of the elements of the town that we've come to know over 30 years living here and 25 years as, a, as an elected official. In terms of the complexity, uh, the way that I'm approaching this is uh, the way that, I, that I, 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 I used to talk to my students about, you know, we look for the simplicity on the far side of complexity. You know, we can't approach this in a simple kind of a way. This is not a simple undertaking. On the other hand, uh, there's a lot of complexity out there. Look at the postings uh, that the Warren Committee has been so attentive to and has given such a resource to the town. But it's a, it's a, it's a complex compendium of uh, a lot of videos, a lot of articles, a lot of documents, and so it's, it's not easy. So for me, uh, when I try to get to the, uh, the, the simplicity on the far side of complexity, uh, I look at this meeting with you know, really five major things to be thinking about. The first one is the registration. It's very important uh, for us to uh, be rigorous in the, in the registration. I'll talk a little bit about that. The second one is the logistics and the venues. The third is the, uh, the article, the presentation of the motion and uh, the comments on the motion. Number four is the discussion and the deliberation. And number five will be the vote. So, uh, you know, those are really the, the, the kind of the five elements that are on my mind. Those are the five elements that are on my mind when I wake up and, and sometimes as I, as I lay in bed. So let's talk about registration. Uh, attendance is limited to the registered voters and the visitors that we invite and approve by a vote at the meeting to sit within the open town meeting. So, um, and that's mandated by our charter. Some of it is actually addressed by state law as well. A registration will be conducted uh, through a common location at or near the front entrance of the high school. 
Every attendee is required to check in through, uh, through registration, and that will be administered by our town clerk, Marion Binaldi, and her staff. And uh, so there will be even more specific guidance, but uh, as we look at weather could be a factor in, in that as well, uh, will we be able to do any of this setup outside? Uh, but generally it will be at or near, uh, right at the front entrance of the high school where we have done registration before. Uh, so I'm encouraging, uh, you know, all registered voters to, to, to come, but anybody that does come, you know, I'm, I'm asking them to please make sure that they go. It's going to be important. It's going to be necessary, in fact, uh, based on the, the system and the processes that we're establishing for them to come through uh, registration. Um, not sure I'll be open to questions on any of that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in everybody there being there. I'm interested in specifically in certain constituencies. I want to make sure that our seniors feel comfortable uh, coming to our special town meeting. Um, there's a bus from the Council on Aging. I met with uh, Chief Guerrero yesterday to talk about and with Mo to talk about uh, designated parking spaces in front of the school. Um, we talked to Kathy Thompson yesterday, the Board of Health, about having wheelchairs available because, as we know, it's a long corridor to get down to the gym. We will, as I'll talk about a little bit in a second, when we talk about venues, we will designate a, you know, a space that, uh, for people who uh, feel that they have uh, any particular kind of vulnerability or susceptibility relative to COVID and would feel safer in an, a, a de-densified space where there can be a little more spacing. So that uh, is going to be the library. And uh, so any seniors that uh, that are feeling in that way, uh, we would make that space available to them. Um, so, uh, you know, I'd like to provide whatever accommodations we can to encourage seniors to come. I'd like to look out. I always like to look out and, of course, see John Harney and Ann Thompson and Caroline Stanley and folks like that who, you know, really, uh, for my generation, those were the, uh, the people that had established the foundation uh, that we built on and that is being built on again uh, by a, another generation. That's the great part about, about Medfield. Uh, another constituency, parents of young children. You know, we are encouraging uh, uh, apparatuses of childcare and babysitting to be set up. I'm not completely sure what arrangements have been made, uh, but any kind of uh, support that I can provide to that, uh, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to do. Uh, questions have arisen in, you know, this fall and in the past about bringing young children to town meeting, and this is uh, not permitted. Uh, and in fact, in our meeting yesterday with the Board of Health, we have, we have, uh, we have met with the chairman of the Board, Board of Health uh, twice in the last two weeks, and yesterday we met with the entire Board of Health, and, um, you know, their commentary was that it would be a very bad idea for anyone to bring a child to town meeting it would be a bad idea for the child and for the other folks and uh, you know all of their guidance would discourage that and it's it's it will not be uh, permitted um, but any senior or any parent who feels disadvantaged in any way you know i would encourage them to reach out to me directly and they can reach out to me directly through the town administrator's office or through the town clerk's office and as i'll in my postscript, as I'll talk about, happy to talk about anybody and helping to see if I can do anything to try to uh, support them to come to town meeting. Uh, when, you're, when you're mentioning about uh, the Board of Health suggesting that 
bringing children to the town meeting wouldn't be a good idea. Is it not? Not that's not what they said. They said it would be a very bad idea. Just to clarify that, it's not that it wouldn't be a good idea. Okay. Um, and it was unanimous amongst the board. Yeah. Okay. But that's. It, is that discouraging people if, if there's childcare set up in the building from bringing children in? And we're not going to. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, not only do they, they not want childcare set up in the building, but we actually even talked about using uh, high school students to be able to assist and support some of the logistics of it. And they don't they don't they don't want us to do that as uh, as well, uh, just simply because it's contact tracing would be very, very difficult uh, through a town meeting. And uh, we have to, those those students have to get reintroduced into an environment that we're trying very, very hard to keep safe all of the time. So, um, you know, that's the guidance that, that, that we got. I, I don't know if, Christine, if you want to add anything to that in terms of. Uh, but I, it was probably we, you know, we went we spent a long time on the phone with them to talk about conducting this meeting uh, as safely as we possibly could. And I don't think there was anything that they were more definitive about than that particular point. No, we talked they, about ventilation. Uh, you know, we talked about, every, you know, every kind of a component of of being able to uh, ma masks. Masks will be required. Uh, you know, inside the school. Windows and will be open. Um, we had talked about even bringing in some volunteers. Uh, Carol Reed had volunteered, voluntold, I guess, some some people from Needham to come over and uh, the Board of Health agreed that would not even be advisable. Uh, if it's a Medfield town meeting, we should be keeping it to those that are working and uh, part of that. So Scott uh, just blew my cover and told my department heads that they will be actually working at town meeting. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we're going to well, we're going to need we're going to need that because, again, it is complex. We want to be able to provide support. And as we kind of go further, you'll see uh, how that will that complexity will roll out. Um, but happy to answer any questions about any of that. And when Kelly and I came to town, uh, you know, Courtney was six and Dylan was four and, and Jack was two. I don't remember how we did it, but it, it, it happened to be at a time. You remember, Bill, there were a lot of issues uh, that were big. We had some of our record breaking attendance at town meeting during those uh, particular years. Um, it's not it's never easy. I, and, and I don't I, you know, I don't mean to to uh, in any way you know, imply either for, you know, a senior to get to our town meeting and have to, uh, you know, to, to, to get and, and, and be comfortable in that environment or for anyone who has young children, you know, I don't think that is easy as well. But so, so Mike, I, I had said at the outset, Scott, that I was not going to take public input at this portion. of okay. the meeting. You're going to be I had told I was told you're going to be at the Warren hearing next week. I am. Yeah. And I think that would be a good opportunity for people to, Great. to speak to you about that and your email address. For people who want to email you directly, because I think you have an official town of Medfield email yeah. address. Yeah. <laughs> town moderator <laughs> at town yes. moderator at something. <laughs> I have so many email addresses. I, uh, yeah. uh, it's actually Medfield Town Moderator, moderator. at okay. Medfield Town Moderator at Medfield.net. Just in the interest of yes. of getting this whole summary out, um, and then people can reach out to you, and they'll be able to speak to you next week at the Warren hearing. I thought that oh, was yeah. what I and, said at and, the beginning. You know, I, I, and I will be circulating guidelines that I've drafted that support yeah. what I'm saying here tonight. Medfield's Town Moderator. Medfield. 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 Town, all one word. Town moderator. Town moderator. At medfield.net. Yes. So questions about the conduct of town meeting. As Scott said, after this meeting tonight, he takes control of the town meeting. So questions about the conduct of Please. town meeting directed to Medfield Town Moderator yeah. at medfield.net. And just as easily, actually, to reach out to Christine's office or to Marion's, without, uh, but who will direct them to my attention, not to be responsive. But, who do you think is checking the Medfield Town Moderator yeah, email? Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Right. All right. So, so that was the as item one and two, or is it one and a half? Where are we on the? Uh, no, that's that? one and a half. Okay. So I thought I was told that I had as much time as I needed. So. Absolutely. Do. I'm just trying to keep track of. You know, have no, we're down to card. two. Yeah, we're on to logistics and venues. Yeah. So the main venue will be the gym. Uh, the, the the gym holds uh, somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred people. Uh, although I know that when we had a thousand people at our last special town meeting, I also discovered partway through the meeting that we had a couple hundred people in the cafeteria. So um, some of it has to do with spacing. But the the first overflow will be to the cafeteria. Uh, we're going to uh, have further overflow that will be to the auditorium. We will also have the excuse me, the library prepared for anyone with, uh, with heightened concern, as I mentioned. There will be uh, limited seating, less density, and more spacing. Um, and uh, we have to try to manage that space. Uh, the Board of Health used an expression called the worried well. You know, I don't know how you discourage the worried well from using space as opposed to people who have genuine concerns about comorbidities and other factors uh, that make them more susceptible. But we would like to use this, that, that space for people who have, you know, a very genuine concern. Um, Scott, are there going to be any outdoor? Yes. Yeah, so we are arranging a proximate outdoor space um, uh, and it will be of limited size. It won't be like our turf and it won't be the turf, in fact. Um, it will be of limited size and, and it will not be able to accommodate everyone. Uh, it will provide us an option and it will also allow us to extend enough space to expend our capacity up to and beyond 2000 people. And of course, one of the variables is weather on November 7th, so uh, which is uh, uncertain. I, going back in time, I did look at weather charting and what happens to New England weather. And I went back and looked at the last 10 years of November 7th. And we've had uh, pretty much every condition from, from snow to uh, warm weather on the 7th of November. So it's too soon to start looking now. But uh, in another week or so, we'll start paying a little bit of attention to what that will be all about. The article and the motion, uh, its presentation and comments comes next. This is the third of the, uh, of the five elements. The positive main motion will be made by the Warrant Committee if they are in favor of the article. If the Warrant Committee is opposed to the article, the positive main motion will be made by the proponent of the article, the School Building Committee. We will then hear reports and commentary from the Warrant Committee. Uh, there is likely to be majority and minority reports, and so they will have those, those reports. They may be more extensive than they've been in the past, and I think that's merited. They've put an enormous amount of time into uh, studying this question and helping to support the town's understanding of all of these issues, these complex issues. So the Warrant Committee will report. Uh, after the Warrant Committee provides it re uh, its report, there will be a presentation of reasonable length by the sponsor of the article, the School Building Committee. Uh, I will talk to the School Building Committee. Uh, I don't know how long specifically, but that would be in the range of 12 to 15 minutes, I'd say, uh, in order for them to be able to, to do that presentation. We will then turn to the Board of Selectmen, who will have an opportunity to comment and express their views. After the Selectmen comment, then we will open this to discussion and deliberation by those attending. Uh, I've been using the expression that uh, this meeting is about closing arguments uh, as opposed to opening arguments uh, using a kind of a trial uh, metaphor, perhaps. But, uh, you know, we'd like to think of this uh, as, as closing arguments. And so as people uh, prepare to speak or, th or, or think about speaking, uh, they should be uh, highlighting 
uh, some of the, the really the key points and not providing perhaps as much background as they might uh, ordinarily feel that they need to do. Um, it's not a review of, you know, of all of the elements of, of the decision. It's um, not about personal opinions at this particular time. Uh, we're trying to get people to speak who believe that uh, they can be persuasive uh, and can add something to the deliberation of the other people who are at the meeting. Uh, Yes. You made a determination whether people will all have to go to the gym to speak, or will they be speaking from wherever they are? I think that they will be, be speaking from they wherever will be they speaking are. Speaking from wherever they are. We're spending a lot of time trying to, uh, you know, get our arms around the technology of all of this. With that particular question in mind, that we have to have two-way communications from each of the venues that we established. So it looks like we would have five venues if we included the gym and the cafeteria and the library and the auditorium and some outdoor space. Um, we, you know, we've looked at numbers. Marion was good enough to go back and to track all of the numbers back to the 1990s. We've had town meetings in town, that several that have gone uh, well over a thousand. And I can't remember the year, but we had one that was 2,343 people. So uh, when we did our walkthrough yesterday at, at uh, the high school, you know, we get great support. Uh, Chris Allen, who's not going to be here this time because he's going to be doing his professional work at a soccer game, but he's connected us with Thistle Communications, who will help to support us with the, with the technology. They're quite expert. Uh, they've done uh, complicated town meetings at, at, at uh, towns all around uh, eastern Massachusetts, um, provided a lot of confidence to us that, that we can get the technology right. When you do what I do, you know, the one thing, you can do a lot of preparation, but all of a sudden if the light doesn't work or if the cameras go down, then that, that undercuts a lot of what you're doing. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the next couple of weeks to try to get the production values, if you will, uh, the presentation values for the people who are you know, in attendance to be able to have the, the best presentation from the studio, the gym, as we project out to those people. But I, I think that, so from what I understand, the way it's been described to me, there will be somebody that will be in front of me with a headset on that will be connected to assistant uh, moderators that will be in each of the venues who will be communicating with that person who will be signaling to me about uh, people who are opponents and proponents uh, who are in these other venues. My expectation is that we would be in the gym, we would go to uh, proponents and opponents at separate microphones after maybe 10 of those. I will be listening or being directed to the fact that there are people at microphones in these other venues and we'll try to, we'll try to go around those venues and to, and to get commentary. We'll see how all of that work. Um, all speakers will be timed and comments will be timed in the gym and I will be communicating the timing to those other venues. So this is a little bit of a innovation. You know, I'm often criticized, uh, often rightfully criticized for, you know, this notion of trying to trying to allow people to be able to have the time. But the expectation in, in this meeting is that a lot of people may want to uh, have the opportunity to be able to speak to the town. And since uh, that's what makes it a town meeting, this gathering, the opportunity to speak to town, I'd like to provide as many people that opportunity. But we will limit the amount of time that people will speak, likely starting with two minutes for the first tranche of speakers and then reducing that by a minute. And, uh, and um, as always, all all discussion will be directed through the moderator. And, uh, you know, so that will be the kind of the, whether it's coming from one of these uh, satellite venues or whether it's coming from the gym. I will ask at the beginning that people sp speak through me as opposed to uh, speaking to others or debating with, uh, with, with one another. Uh, 
I think I say this most of the time, you know, because we are conducting these closing arguments and we expect a very large crowd and I don't think we expect to go on forever and ever in that afternoon. Um, not everyone will have a chance to speak. So, you know, I, I'm going to apologize beginning tonight and I'll start my apologies again and again in advance for anybody that does not get the opportunity to speak. At some point, I need to close down the discussion in the best interest of getting to the vote. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody to, uh, you know, to stand for civility. You know, to me, uh, the tone of the dialogue matters for years when people have asked me, you know, what's the responsibilities of the of the town moderator? I talk about conducting the town meeting, uh, making the appointments to the Warren Committee and helping to be a part of the, the, the folks that set the, the tone for, you know, our discourse in town. I believe in decorum. And so I'm going to try to enforce that as best I can, um, you know, at the town meeting. Um, you know, I want to maintain mutual respect. Um, uh, amongst the people that participate, uh, absolutely try to eliminate any personal attacks, ask everybody to speak with care, uh, engage their emotional intelligence, focus on facts, do not lightly tread on folks' integrity, um, agree to disagree, first seek to, uh, to understand and then be understood, and also try to reflect a little bit on history and the heritage of this town. We've made a lot, if you go back, uh, Richard DeSorga has tuned me into this, but you go back over time and look at the momentous decisions that have been made by town meeting uh, over time, you know, that could be, uh, you know, decisions about expenditures like this. And we had a chance to be the, the seat of uh, county government at one time in Medfield. It was, a, it was a town meeting vote, in fact, that led to uh, uh, Millis, uh, you know, uh, seeking to uh, the, the west side of the Charles River, breaking off from this side of the Charles River, and also uh, at various times, conscription, and we have sent uh, soldiers off to war through, t through town meeting action. So there are some very, very big things that have happened in town meeting. This is, this is one for our ages, uh, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that there's often been difficult decisions that have been made before. The vote. So I will call the question after uh, reasonable discussion, deliberation, and debate. Uh, that's a, a judgment. I tell people that the, the judgment is usually made by my sense from the podium of the fact that about half of the people there think that I'm letting this go on too long, and about half of the people think there should be more opportunity to speak. Uh, you know, when I get right to that point, you know, it's likely that I will be uh, calling the question. Um, when the question is called, it will be voted uh, to call the question by a clear voice vote in all venues. When that happens, then registration will be closed. So at that point, we will close registration. All venues will be sealed. The people that we're helping with registration will have to help us with the voting process. No one will be permitted entry after the after the uh, registration is closed. After the, after the call of the question has been made, it has been voted in the affirmative, uh, then uh, the town clerk will close the registration. All venues will be, will be sealed and we will get down to the process of voting. Uh, and no one would be permitted entry at that time, absent any kind of uh, exigency. Uh, the vote at this special town meeting will be by ballot. And you know, obviously, uh, many of you have talked, I've talked to you about this. I've had uh, given this issue lots of consideration over the years, had many discussions around pros and cons. Uh, generally, I like, I like uh, private ballots the most when they're appropriate for elections or referendums as opposed to legislative activity. 
But I think uh, because of the reasons that I described when I was talking about convergence, uh, certainly the appeals that have been made to me by uh, you know, citizens in town uh, for this special town meeting, I find what I call a distinction with a difference. This is to, when, whenever you have precedent, and I have precedent, I've been doing this for 19 years, in order to maybe move a little bit away from precedent, you have to find that this is a different circumstance and to find that distinction. And I have found that distinction. I believe this is a different circumstance. Some of it has to do with neighbor versus neighbor. Some of it has to do with the scale of the meeting. Uh, some of it has to do with the fact it's being conducted in the environment that we're conducting in COVID. And, and so the, the combination of all of those factors that create the convergence and the complexity that I was referencing uh, led me to the fact that I think that we should uh, undertake this uh, this a vote by by ballot and therefore uh, you know it provides some of the benefits of anonymity that 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 people uh, enjoy and we hope that it will also provide us uh with an exact count at the end and uh in a, in a way that i think is going to be important to defend and um and and so we'll have a process that will be open in that respect and that we'll, at the end of the day uh you know we should have a, a, a absolutely accurate count uh people who uh, many people will occasionally uh, ask me, why don't we just come to the town meeting and vote? And I say, well, you know, that's actually not what a town meeting is, because it's based, in my view, on this first having this discussion and the deliberation and the, and, and the opportunity to be persuaded and, uh, and so forth. But in this instance, uh, we have the benefit of both. We, uh, we're going to vote twice. So we're going to vote once in a legislative context uh, through a legislative process on November 7th and then on November 15th. We're going to vote by ballot, which is a which is a different kind of a process, preferred by many. Uh, so uh, folks will have the opportunity to to uh, to be able to vote in both of those uh, manners, or to vote in in one of those. Um, just this is this is parenthetical, but um, you know I've been interested in years in in technology and it's in how it can be used in town meeting. We've looked at electronic voting. It's a deep and continuing review. In fact, last winter, I asked seven individuals from town, former Warren Committee members, respected members of the town. Uh, Marion Benaldi was on that, Nick. Uh, uh, and what we did is we, we just kind of looked deeper into the question. We looked deeper into uh, the research, what other towns were doing. Um, we looked at the technology. We looked at the needs. We looked at the costs and the impact on the institution of town meeting. Uh, we talked to a, a number of moderators and town clerks. I talked to uh, town moderators in Manchester by the Sea and Hingham and uh, Wellfleet and a bunch of other towns, some who use electronic voting, some who don't. Uh, there are pros and cons. And, uh, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that the first time we did it, it wasn't going to be at this special town meeting. I, I can tell you that much with the with the uh, with the technology situation. I heard one one town uh, that uh, went to, for their first COVID town meeting, they went to electronic voting for the first time. And you rent these devices and they're not inexpensive. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an enormous time and cost to getting them set up and calibrated and getting them right. But, you know, they have the, they have the advantages of, 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 of electronic voting. But what happened was that when they were wiping them down to sanitize them. They had tested them and they had retested them and they had tested them as right up to the morning of the vote. But when the last thing they did was they sanitized them. And when they sanitized them, that process changed the channels <laughs> on a bunch of the, uh, the clickers. And so, 
at the town meeting, they discovered they had 280 clickers of the, of the whole batch that were not working properly. That, that's what comes, Scott, from not allowing teenagers in to help. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> if you had the kids exactly. in there, they definitely could have got it going. That's why yeah. we have to get past COVID so we get the teenagers <laughs> back and help us with our technology, for sure. Uh, so I will be publicizing and hold a forum you know, on the future of town meetings in January to talk about the future of our town meeting. I'm a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to town government, but, you know, most of my professional life outside of this is dedicated to, you know, managing and navigating continuous improvement and often transformable change. Big believer and you figure out, you preserve the core and then you stimulate change for the rest. And so uh, that'll be something that, that uh, I will be bringing to the town sometime after we get through the holidays. Scott, may I ask a question? Yes. About that. So the paper, the, where you mentioned the, there'll be a paper ballot, like a be ballot a, yeah. mark, how, how will that work? Yeah, so- We're calling we, it a vote card. Yeah, we'll vote call card. it a vote, vote card. card to distinguish it from the ballot that will be, you know, uh, and I like that better because uh, it won't be a ballot. It will be, so people uh, were working on exactly the mechanism to, you know, to, to make sure we make the connection from registration to the vote and that that is a, you know, a, something that we can preserve the, the sanctity of and the integrity of. So uh, some of that is still being worked on, but it will happen within each of the venues. Mm -hmm. I expect that people will get a vote card. They will likely, this is looks like it's going to be a yes or no. So that makes it uh, good for us. They will mark yes or no. They will drop the vote card in a box. Uh, after all the venues have have gone through, people have dropped their vote card at that venue. Uh, we'll put a short pause. Those those boxes will be taken to a central location. Um, we will designate some folks to be counters, and we will have observers, and uh, those those will be counted. And and uh, and then we will come back, and the last part of the town meeting will be to announce uh, the results of the of the vote. Um, people will be able to leave after they vote, or yes. to stay. I, as long as we maintain a quorum, <laughs> I think it, you know, I, I'm hoping that people will will hang around. We'll we'll play some music, maybe make some uh, uh, commentary. We'll figure out what we do in that in, in you know in that time frame. I heard the Patriots game is on. No, you, I, you heard that? I did yeah, hear that too. I've, I've heard the Patriots game. I've heard more Who about Patriots the Patriots an away game I against keep the Panthers. About it. <laughs> Very aware of that, and it, I was trying to do the math as I was driving out here and said. If this Red Sox series goes seven and they get to the World Series in a seven-game series, is there a possibility that the convergence gets even more profound by the seventh game of a World Series on November 7th? I don't, I'm trying to, no, it won't go that long? Okay, good. Plus those games don't start before like nine o'clock at night. Yeah, that's right. That's when they'll start them, right? I don't think we'll have a, we'll have a conflict at noontime. I will be appearing, postscript, I will be appearing with the Warren Committee next Tuesday night at their Warren Committee hearing. Um, I will be staying on at the end of the meeting when we will open the forum. Uh, the plan is to buy Zoom t uh, for anybody uh, in town, any voter to ask any questions of me as the monitor relative to the conduct of the special town meeting. Christine, you and I only talk loosely about this, but I'm happy to set up an, another forum or another Zoom in the week before the town meeting uh, in order to be able to respond to any questions. I, it's, it's really imperative that we go into this meeting with as much clarity about the procedures and guidelines that I've just tried to outline. Uh, when it, whether it comes to registration and, and having that be done absolutely as securely as we possibly can, um, the presentation of the motion so that that's well understood uh, the discussion and the deliberations and the vote. And so, um, you know, that's obviously very important to me. Um, I'm available to any 
and every voter in town over the next three weeks to answer at my email address is a good way to connect with me. Uh, or to we have that one more time. We have that one more time. The Medfield Town Moderator at Medfield.net. Thank you. Uh, or reach out to the town administrator, the town clerk's office, and they will they will get you connected <laughs> to me. And then finally, the final comment is, you know, um, what happens after the meeting is almost as important as what happens at the meeting in many ways. You know, I really feel, feel strongly that uh, we need to come together. I go back to this notion of uh, Medfield being a special place. And when I say special place, it isn't because of the buildings that we've built or not even the, the open space, which I'm enjoying, or our youth sports, which many of us have participated in, and all these things that go on. You know, but what has made Medfield such a special place is really you know, the the interaction of the people, the people in, you know, in town. And, you know, whether that's, I, I took a walk through um, uh, Medfield Day. It was kind of, for me, it was, you know, very interesting. I haven't gone there when I had a bunch of kids in little soccer uniforms and now walking through with my sunglasses and, and just checking it out. But, you know, that's a very, very special kind of a thing. And it happens anytime there's a family in crisis in Medfield. Uh, you know, you go on and on, all night graduation parties. Uh, Medfield Foundation, I could point to everybody and something that everybody's been involved in, you know, that has really made this a special place. And, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we've uh, inflicted harm on, on that element, but I will tell you that the saddest of all the commentary that I read are from people who have just moved into Medfield and are just getting exposed to the character of the town. And in some respects, the way they're being exposed to it is through some of the divisiveness or the negativity that they're hearing. It makes me feel sad, you know, because honestly, I've been in this town for, you know, uh, more than a quarter of a century and I never had any of those emotions. Quite the opposite, as I've always felt that there's the only limitation on the people that I that I, I'd like to know in this town is, you know, frankly, is where my kids were at school. You know, it's amazing to me that. You know, that I know, I felt like I knew everybody of certain grades, but in the in-between grades, I didn't know people as well. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I hope we can rekindle that because, you know, that's what makes this such a such a great, great place. And we need to re-engage as a community. And I always talk about the fabric of that community and, uh, you know, all of these things from open space to great schools to public safety to the well-being of the young and the old uh, to the downtown commercial uh, activity that we have, you know, you, it's the weaving together of all of that, that it's a, it's a fabric. And that's how I think of community as a fabric. And so, uh, you know, I, I certainly pledge myself to, to making sure that we continue to uh, weave that together. So do you want no questions? From uh, well, from us, but for public discussion, yeah. warrant committee next week. So Pete, questions, comments, yeah. discussion. So thank you very much, Scott. That was very thorough, very, uh, very interesting. I appreciate it. Um, one of the things that that, uh, that I've been mulling and, and thinking about is that uh, we have a big decision about the state hospital. And I, I, and I would love to hear the residents' opinion about the two proposals. And I'm wondering if there's some way to get a sense of the residents from either the special town meeting or the uh, uh, election on the 15th uh, as to what their pleasure is to have the town do about the two proposals. It's interesting, Pete. and and. Uh and that's a good question, a really good question. And it comes, you know, it's the next freight train coming down the track. My own perspective is that, you know, I looked at them when they came in and I'm, you know, as kind of reasonably involved as most and I'm, I'm not there yet. So I don't know whether the town is there yet. I can't read the hearts and minds of the town as to whether they're ready to kind of start to provide you some information that would help to, to formulate that. But if there was a way of being able to, without confusing the issue, 
um, to take the temperature of the town or if that makes sense. Um, this is first impression for me, but um, I, I do know that it's another big issue that we have to deal with. I, I, I guess it would, it would just be a temperature of the town, as you yeah. say, but it would be very interesting to see what, what people's thinking is. Whether well, we would in the maybe have time to do that while the votes are being counted. And so maybe that I, I, what I don't want to do is confuse the issues or, you know, and to kind of, you know, so that one thing to weave together. 25 hours of work committee meetings and read this. Before yeah, the yeah. <laughs> they can read that while we're Professor reading. Peterson wants more homework for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Mark is pointing out the fact that, you know, I mean, that's the whole idea of closing the warrant. The warrant is the warning as to what's going to be talked about at town meeting. Not that we would be taking any action if we were to take the temperature, but I think it's confusing. It's confusing, um, and the election ballot's already been been printed and set, so we can't yeah. do that at the election. Okay, well, good question. One that I wasn't prepared to answer as much as I prepared today. That was the only issue. That any I other thoughts, Gus? Scott, my my only question is with your your comments about Bedfield Day and Christian Donner sitting in the back of the room. I want to know how come you didn't arrest the moderator like you arrested us. <laughs> a few people we couldn't find. <laughs> uh, he, he said he was wearing his sunglasses. Yeah. I was, I've been dunked in a dunk pool and I've had, uh, you know, pies put in my face at Medfield Day, but I've never been subject to arrest so far. So. Well, Did I, you I, violate some local ordinance or something, or apparently. was it just? Yes, yeah. <laughs> we were thinking independently. <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that could be a high crime. Uh, uh, any your your last comment, your your comments overall. Do you you already know I can't for anybody that's listening to this. I won't be at in light of our earlier discussion. The fact that I'm not going to be at the town meeting has nothing to do with any of that. I had a prior commitment that was set at the beginning of the year. So just so people wondering why I'm not there, it's got nothing to do with the issues but the more you talk the more i'm sorry i'm going to miss it because it's so much fun to watch you try to manage a complex difficult town meeting and this one with people in different rooms it's like i, I maybe i can find a way to get back early or something I, i'm i'm excited for the meeting uh, because of it being a culmination of a process in which so much time has been devoted to it um, I'm a believer that reasonable people can disagree, but I also am, I have a lot of trust in the town. I have a lot of trust in the voters and, and, you know, at some point, uh, you know, we kind of take our leave and we run a meeting, we try to provide the information and then we trust the voters uh, to come. And I, you know, it's, it's a, I do believe in the legislative pro, you know, process. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, for all of us to be part of a legislature, as I said, how unique it is to actually have voters assemble to make laws and to do appropriations directly. There's not too many forms of government anywhere in the world that actually have those kind of characteristics with them. And we do. So you can tell I've had to defend town meeting quite a few times at quite a few cocktail parties over the years. Uh, but, um, you know, I am a believer and but I do, you know, maybe we start talking about January and how it continues to evolve so that it you know, remains relevant and meets the needs of the town. Anything else? Okay. So just got just to recap a little bit here. So to go through your five points. I mean, first, so the registration is going to take place kind of as it typically does for town meeting. It should be, be, should be fairly similar from a point of locale. We're going to try to, uh, 
with the advice of the, the Board of Health, or, or you know, we, we will try to spread it out a little bit. So we're trying to alleviate any clogging, you know, and try to get people in as soon as possible, encourage people to come early and know that they're, you know, that we are expecting a, a significant crowd. So, um, so what time will you anticipate an opening? 11 o'clock? I think we talked about there? registration starting as early as 11 o'clock. Right? Okay. All right. So, and then that, yeah. that'll be typical. And that will close when you call the question for the vote. Registration will close when they, not when I call the question, when I put it to a vote and uh, by a, a voice vote, if I decide it's in the affirmative, at that point, we will then close. So you, you will ask for a voice vote on whether to put it to a vote? Yes. Okay. And then once that's, you think that's yes? Won't take, that won't be coming from, generally speaking, it's, uh, you know, not so much of a motion from the floor. This is going to be, you know, at the point where the moderator recognizes that it's, it's the appropriate time to do that. Right. Okay, and then for inside the town meeting, there will be, it'll be the gym, the auditorium, the library, cafeteria, cafeteria, and then there'll be an outdoor, be an some sort of tented outdoor area option yep. for people to have. That's, okay, that's, um, we're looking at. Remember, we have to we have to run fiber optic cable to each you know, of those. I'm just trying to make sure I get all of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of this down. So that's where we're going to be, and people will be able to speak wherever they are, so they won't have to come anywhere else to speak. Right. It'll be hooked up electronically to be broadcast into the other rooms. Yep. Um, you went through the order of the presentation. Um, then for deliberation. I'm sorry. They are going to vote in, in, you know, yeah. in the venues. Yeah, the venues, the venues will be closed upon the, you know, upon the closing of registration and the calling of the, you know, the calling of the vote. The voting will go on in each of those venues. At that point, the ballot box will be taken from the venue to a central place. Okay. Um, and then for the speaking portions, you'll have a clock for two minutes for people and that you'll administer that centrally on that and then the voting will be by paper ballot administered by the town clerk voting card yep. vote card yes vote card vote, not ballot not ballot vote, vote card. card vote card by the town clerk and then the, the announce the vote and, and the meeting will be dissolved that that'll be it and it sounds like the it's really simple when you say it like that <laughs> <laughs> it's just a b c d right? <laughs> right and it sounds like the registration is going to be outside the building That'll be weather depending. We are going to ask everybody to be patient. There may be some waiting in line outside because the Board of, Te Board of Health has asked us to limit people coming in to register so that we don't have a bottleneck right in that mm -hmm. in that foyer area. So th there could be some, uh, some waiting outside. The Board of Health also suggested that people uh, dress in layers. They are going to ask that we open all of the windows to the to the rooms uh, as required under uh, their protocol. So we will. Um, it, it could be a little chilly. So if the, the but, if, but if the auditorium is being used, then the registration has to be before the the, the corridor to the auditorium. Yeah, we will come up with a way to ensure that everybody who is in a venue has gone yeah. through registration. Okay. Yeah. So. But there'll be one registration point. One registration point. And then you'll kind of proceed to wherever you're right. and, and, and the auditorium will only be opened as an overflow after we have filled the other venues. So if yeah. we don't fill the other venues, we won't be going to the auditorium. Right. It won't be a choice of where you want to be unless you've identified as, as having a, a comorbidity or, or a senior citizen who would like to be in the library. Other than that, we will open the rooms as necessary. Okay. All right. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Um, People can email you, and they'll see you at the Warren hearing next Tuesday. Thank you very much. And the Warren hearing, where is that taking place? Here, right? Public safety building. Public safety building. Oh, okay. Warren hearing, public safety building. I see Christian Donner here. Um, are you here for the rail trail? All right. Well, I'll move you ahead of the next two, which could take a while. 
So I, not that you don't want to be here for the whole thing, but if you'd like to come and do your Zappo proposal, um, we can uh, do that. J James Goldstein is uh, on Zoom and has a presentation as well. Oh, a presentation. So, uh, I know he was, he had another engagement, so he did not anticipate right. being here this early. Okay, well then, sorry, Christian. You can blame James. No, I, 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 was, was, I, was, I was prepared to. I was willing to take you now, but no. all right. No, we'll wait for the presentation. So next we, next we have. Um, so when he does show up, we can do it just because I don't yep, think it will be that he's... long. Um, but let's move on now. Medfield State Hospital Development Committee to discuss the proposals for the Medfield State Hospital and the evaluation process. Todd, will you be? Yeah, please. And is there anybody I need? We need to promote. Yeah, we'll... I, I see some. Hospital sounding names in the participants, the attendees. Gus. I know I'm missing something. Can we put my video on? <laughs> so I think, Nick, we would probably have. Uh, Johnny Martinez. Johnny's um, just been promoted and Chris McMahon is joining as well. Okay, and uh, I think we also have Eric Bush and Erica Schechter Erica, yep. from Peregrine and possibly Mike Mitchell from sure. Mass Development. They're here if you want to call your meeting. Okay, so this was posted as a meeting for the development committee, so I will. Call that to order at eight, it's 16. Then you should note, just for the record, who's participating remotely. Looks like Johnny is there. Chris McMahon as well. And Chris right, so the committee, well. the committee is is myself, Johnny Martinez, Chris McMahon, and Selectman Murby. And they have to confirm their... They should confirm their participating Yeah, if, if Johnny and Chris could just turn your videos on or, or audio on to confirm that you're participating remotely. And that you're not actually here. here. <laughs> Thank you. You're not watching the Astros game. Chris <laughs> yeah. McMahon is here. Thank you. All right. Thank. Thank you both. All right. Todd. All right. Thank you. Well, uh, Scott is a difficult act to follow. I know. Uh, I thought I would just begin by maybe doing an overview. I know. I know. Uh, Gus has kept you up to date over time, but I, I think it might be helpful to reset. We started the RFP process approximately a year ago we took the fall and the spring to uh, to issue that document we went through several rounds of public comment and several rounds of comment by the selectmen and the rfp was issued on april 5th of 2021 we then marketed that plan as required by the memorandum of agreement with mass historic and others uh, we also advertised in the central register and the medfield press and uh, ran announcements on the town's social media and ultimately, as best we could track it, uh, over 165 recipients either received the RFP directly or downloaded it on the town's website. Uh, our process prior to the proposal deadline provided for questions and answers from interested developers prior to submission. And we worked through several rounds of that, totaling 45 questions from a half dozen different interested groups. We hosted a site walk on May 24th. We had representatives from 11 groups attend. And ultimately, uh, prior to the deadline on August 2nd, we received proposals from two uh, development teams. Uh, 
one led by Trinity Financial and the other led by Pulte Homes. Pulte Homes actually had three variations in their proposal. So in effect, um, the committee was tasked with evaluating four different proposals. Uh, as I'm sure you know from reviewing the proposals, Trinity would preserve all of the buildings and rehabilitate them in accordance with federal and, st and uh, state historic standards. And Pulte, uh, in all three scenarios, is proposing to demolish existing buildings and construct either 73 housing units in the Arboretum or 602 or even 702 housing units on the entire site uh, under their different uh, options A, B, and C. So once we receive these proposals uh, beginning on August 3rd, the day after the deadline, uh, we began our review. We were assisted by Peregrine Group as uh, part of the technical assistance made available by Mass Development. And uh, we used an evaluation matrix that tracked the uh, questions in the RFP that required responses from the developers. Uh, we did several rounds of formal questions and answers with each of the respondents. And we also did a formal interview with each development team. Uh, and those interviews were well attended. The Pulte call had 42 participants on it and the Trinity call had 64 participants on it. Um, in addition, we sought and obtained input and provided opportunity for questions from various stakeholders, including the Medfield Historic District Commission, the Medfield Historical Commission, the Massachusetts Historical Commission, the Medfield Energy Committee, and the Cultural Alliance of Medfield. We obtained clarification on various points from town council, attorney Sorrell, as well as our special counsel, Mead, Tallerman, and Costa, on points related to 30B requirements. And then we completed our evaluation as a committee during our September 29th meeting, so approximately eight weeks from beginning of the review to the conclusion of the review. Uh, we compared notes and findings, uh, and the basic conclusion was that uh, Trinity Financial consistently received higher ratings from the committee across all four of our evaluation categories. Uh, the only one that was was close was the development team category where both groups rated very highly based on their their extensive track record over many, many years. In addition, I think it's fair to say there's a high level of support for the Trinity proposal from all of the stakeholder groups, judging by their written comments they submitted to us, as well as comments made during the interviews. We had a total of 36 comments or questions submitted by members of the public through the town's website. Uh, again, heavily weighted in support uh, to the extent they expressed a position in favor of one or the other uh, for the Trinity proposal. So essentially, you know, as a committee, we consistently found that Trinity was proposing something that was more in tune with what we said we wanted in the approved RFP. Uh, and that was reinforced by public and stakeholder comments we received during the uh, evaluation period. So, you know, based on the discussion on our September 29th meeting, the committee supports moving forward with Trinity to begin the next stage of formal due diligence. We did not formally vote on that in deference to the selectmen. We understood that uh, you wanted a chance to have some, some input and discussion, which is uh, hopefully what we can, we can accomplish here tonight. Uh, you may recall the RFP provided originally for a best and final offer at this stage, uh, which is something we, uh, we added, which you know, Mead Tellerman ran by the state to ensure it was permissible, but 
that was done with the idea that we, we would probably receive multiple proposals that were very similar and there would be value in doing a best and final now. Um, instead, what we received uh, were two proposals that were uh, very dissimilar. And our conclusion as a committee is that any best and final should be deferred, you know, following the contemplated four month due diligence period in the RFP. And all of our concerns as a committee are, are more fully vetted. We did confirm with Mead Tallerman that that's permissible under 30B to not do best and final now, uh, but it would require us to designate one of the developers, and we would say Trinity as the most advantageous. Uh, and then that would also allow us to retain Pulte as a backup offer. We would not need to reject, and we're not proposing to reject Pulte's proposal at this time. Uh, the intent of that four month due diligence period is for the developer to sharpen its pencils and sharpen its proposal. They'll get access to the buildings, which they've not had to date. They'll have uh, improved access to town officials, uh, school department, police, fire, things that we did not encourage fully at the earlier stages where we weren't sure how many proposals and we just did not want to inundate uh, town departments with, uh, with questions from potential developers. Uh, we'll also give the committee uh, another four months to sharpen our pencils, and we would propose to use that time to work collaboratively with town departments and committees and the selectmen to dig deeper into the projected impacts on the town, the types of questions that we know would need to be answered at a, at a town meeting related to the state hospital. Um, recalling the conversation when uh, the zoning was voted on, the types of questions that people will have that we assured them we would have answers before we came before them with any type of disposition vote. Concurrently, we're also investigating whether any demolition on the campus, such as the current arboretum structures, will adversely impact the availability of historic tax credits, either for the core campus or even for camp. Uh, we would also uh, seek for further uh, input and advice from the selectmen during this period about whether it's beneficial to convey the entire campus as part of the disposition or potentially retain certain areas, whether that's the green and the north field or even the arboretum. Uh, for uh, sort of keep those out of the, the first phase or any phase of development. So procedurally, in order to, to move forward, we would, need, we would need to make the preliminary designation of a developer as most advantageous. That developer would be committing to spend significant monies as part of the four months due diligence process. And uh, we would need to enter into some type of site access agreement that would uh, give them standing to uh, do testing and uh, investigation that they needed to do. And if that all goes well, we would negotiate best and final at the end of that four month period with better information. Uh, if it does not go well or issues arise or uh, adverse information surfaces, we would be in a position to move on to another plan at that point. Uh, we're also contemplating the, the you know, the, the best way to engage members of the public during that due diligence period, uh, make sure that we're sharing information and responding to concerns that people may have in the community or just simply requests for additional information about potential impact of any project at the hospital. That it? That's it, yeah. Pete? So, um at this point, you're looking for some input from us as to 
how we'd like to, or, or things that we'd like to have uh, uh, considered? I, I kind of conveyed to the committee that my sense of the two of you is that you wanted to be involved throughout the process. I don't know so much that the committee's coming to you with questions is that this seemed to be a critical point. Uh, and this isn't the only critical point that the thought was to have the two of you involved in this. So just kind of where it's at, where it's tentative okay. uh, decision. If before we take a vote and made that choice formal, if there was anything that we needed to know about before doing that. All right. So uh, I'll, uh, Todd and I uh, stood together at Medfield Day for a while and, and, and we talked about this then, but I'll just sort of reiterate what I said then, which uh, I guess the first thing that I would say is I'd be very curious to figure out a way that we could uh, get the pulse of the town as to whether the town's interested in the money or the, uh, or the uh, project that, that appears to be what we said we wanted through our planning process. So that's the first thing. Uh, um, the second thing is that I, I've i never been bothered by density so much as I have by the, the product uh, that we get out of it. And so what's been, what's important to me is, is, is what our final product is, I guess I would put it that way. And um, I, I think that we have some opportunities maybe to uh, tweak what we have gotten from Trinity. I think that I, in general, my take is that most, I think most people in town probably want the town to go forward with the Trinity financial proposal. Uh, but I think that there may be some people that would, uh, would want the, the 44 million. Uh, but I, th I think there's a, a way to maybe tweak the, uh, uh, the Trinity financial proposal because they're they're proposing very low density in the Arboretum area. They're just they're proposing to reuse the existing houses, which I don't think any of those existing houses are very remarkable or interesting. Um, and I think I that hope they're, they're not watching, Pete. I hope the houses are not watching. They're, not, they're neither remarkable nor interesting. Well, the only one that's remarkable and interesting is the is the white one that's like the 1700s house, which is the post and beam one that, where the roof is falling in, unfortunately. So I think that one may be beyond salvaging, but you know, I thought the brick buildings were beyond salvaging too. So I'm fascinated that Trinity Financials can make it work. Um, but I think that the Arboretum area actually, uh, to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if it was denser than even the uh, the committee's proposal was, because I always thought they were kind of, kind of. Uh, uh, I don't think it'll affect the, the feel of the open space at that site if there is a, is a cluster of denser development on that Arboretum area is the way that I, I feel about it. And if there was a, a development that wasn't dissimilar than the, the Larkin development down the road or the Old Village Square development on that Arboretum site, I don't think that the people in town would find that objectionable um, it would it would give you a little different visual feel of that area, but you know most people aren't going to be walking through the neighborhoods and the backyards of those houses, regardless of how many houses there are there. The the area that that interests me and that I would go to there is is not to walk through the backyards of the people in the arboretum or the front yards, and so I wouldn't mind if the if the if the town negotiated higher density with uh, uh, Trinity Financial in that area. So that's the second thing. The third thing is I'm not sure that 
it makes sense to me to uh, turn over the North Field to uh, Trinity Financial if nothing's going to happen with it, uh, if it's just going to be left as a field. I think it might make sense for the town to keep, hold on to that. And, and maybe in you know, 50, 100 years, the, the town meeting might uh, choose to rezone it and, and, and do something different with it. It just makes more sense to me that some of the open space would be left with the town. I, I, I may do the, have the same thought process with the, the green out front, that maybe that should remain with the town as well. But um, so it would be by designating them as most advantageous and initiating that four month due diligence period that would open up that negotiation. So they, they've made a proposal right now that is subject to certain assumptions, including getting access to the buildings to do formal third party assessment that could change their numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, we told them as the committee, we noted that their purchase price was $2 million to the town and then a million dollar donation to CAM. And we asked them if they would consider uh, reallocating those dollars. We asked them if they would proceed with core campus. And then they said, they would, excuse me, on the, on, the, on the purchase price point, they said they would consider that. We asked them if we uh, didn't award the Arboretum to them, but we awarded the core campus to them, whether they would continue with the core campus. And they said, you know, I think maybe would be a fair way to put that, but they, they it would have a high no. interest in what it would happen in the Arboretum, certainly. But if, if we were asking them to do it in the Arboretum, they might be very interested or in doing it. You may simply decide, I mean, the town has the ability. We said we would convey, you know, all, some or none of the 87 acres. So we have the ability during this period to to negotiate those points. We can't negotiate them now. I mean, they could go into those buildings and change their offer significantly to the point where it didn't make sense, for example, to pursue it, or they may improve it. So we can't really negotiate those points in a vacuum now without ensuring that they're staying at the table based on what they're finding in the buildings and if they're doing environment, if they're doing soils testing, or you know, they, they could do soils testing and decide they don't, they don't want to move forward at all. Yep. So none of the things you're talking about wanting to explore and negotiate are precluded by going into the due diligence phase. They're actually uh, initiated the next phase of engagement with one group, which we're proposing as a committee would be Trinity based on you know, their response to the RFP that we published. That's pretty much the uh, the thoughts that I had as I as I looked at the Trinity or looked at the two proposals. But okay, I, I personally you. like the Trinity proposal just because it keeps the buildings, which I happen to like. If I could just comment on your other question earlier, um, you know, I think as a committee we're not all the way there, so I think it's very important to us to be able to present something at a potential town meeting regarding the hospital that we feel we could stand behind. And so the idea of kind of taking people's temperature now where we haven't fully vetted, for example, the projections around, you know, school costs uh, feels premature and that people may be making uh, assessments based on currently incomplete information. Yep. Yep. Understood. Yep. It's I mean, it's a lot of material. To, to digest, and, and I'm, I'm sure that not many people have, ha have had uh, the opportunity to go through it in detail. A lot of it is pictures, though, but it is a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Anything else, Pete? No, that's it. Yeah. Um, so thank you, uh, Ty. I appreciate it. And let me give you some thoughts first, um, and then I'll follow up with some questions. And I think, um, you know, I, I think I had the same reaction that you all had, sort of the the initial reaction as between the two, that you know the Trinity is closer to what people are expecting. It's closer to what's already there. Um, and the other proposal was really an option we didn't consider. It really was not something that was entertained by um, the, the Master Planning Committee seriously. It was not really something that was, well, the, um, it wasn't really on the table, right? The, the, the trigger for the town's purchase in 2014 was to prevent a 400 no, no, and Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying um, we didn't consider somebody offering us $44 million for the property, really. Um, and we haven't really evaluated it. So the thing that I'm struggling with is um, since we really have a proposal that's not really vetted at all in the sense from the town, um, and the thing that I have a, a hard time with or, or a thing that I, I, I'd like to talk about is I don't think you can evaluate these two proposals without evaluating the financial impact on the town between the two, the two proposals, right? And I, I think um, you can't look at these two disparate ideas sort of without asking the question of, you know, the, how, what would we do with the money and what impact would that have on taxpayers and what would you get out of it, right? Because in, in none of the scenarios did we really propose, what if you could have a $1,200 a year tax cut as part of it? Would you be willing to do X, Y, and Z, right? And if you crunch the numbers and you look at how the budget works and how the finances work, um, you can get in that neighborhood, right? from the Pulte proposal, from the numbers in the Pulte proposal. Um, I, I will say that, that that's certainly not, you know, my reaction to the two of them was more trying to go through the exercise of, you know, making the best case for the proposal that certainly I didn't have the initial positive reaction to. But understanding that this is an asset of the town, um, different people in the town value it for different reasons. There's different concerns and objectives that people have. Um, there's obviously always concerns about taxes and expenses and the rest of it. And so I, I struggle with the notion that you can make this judgment between the two without modeling out, even at the high level that we have now, what it would look like and what it would mean. And so that your understanding from a taxpayer perspective, from a financial perspective, if we opt for the proposal that's going to have um, certainly going to be best for preserving the buildings in the campus, right? And I think I said at the, the town meeting on this, that the, the zoning we adopted, it was certainly the best opportunity to preserve for people who value most the buildings and the layout of the campus over everything else is the best shot for it. And I think we have what looks like a viable proposal that preserves the buildings and the layout of the campus. Um, the cost of that, and I think we knew this in the abstract, right? And I think we always knew, and Gus has talked about this in the past, about um, that the the kind of proposal that would fetch the most money is something like this Pulte proposal, right? But if we're going to ask people to um, evaluate which ones they prefer, I don't think we can ask them to evaluate or give us input on it. And I, I agree with Pete that I would like some input, you know, not just from the people who have the most interest in the buildings and the most interest in the campus, but from people um, generally in the town about what they think about it. I don't think you can do that without looking at the finances. Right. I don't think you can look at that without saying, okay, 
here are our budgetary issues. Here's how the money would come in. Here's what we would use, propose to use it for. Here's what that would mean from a tax perspective. Here's what that would mean from a capital perspective. You know, for all of those things, for all the benefits, recognizing that you'd be giving up something in that. Now, again, I don't know that it's worth giving it up, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think every, as, as you know from the discussions, I don't think every judgment comes down to we're not running a business. Right, so we, we're, we're in the business of doing public goods and, and investing in public goods, and so I, I am perfectly um, open to the notion that you leave money on the table because there's a long-term public good in preservation. There's a long-term public good in the other proposal. So I am not, um, I don't have a position on it, but I have a hard time saying to people, you ought to pick between these two, sort of in the abstract without kind of doing a breakdown of this is where the money would go, this is how it would come in, this is what you would get, this is the impact you would have. This is how it would, would change the town. This is how it wouldn't change the town. And so that that's where I'm from a, just from a pure process standpoint, where I struggle a little bit with the idea that you can sort of pick now, even get, you know, getting input <clears throat> from people on it as between the two. I think it's almost certainly the case that looking at it without that piece of it, right? Looking at it without that tax impact, financial impact piece of it, you know, people are always going to prefer the fewer units. I mean, I've and at enough affordable housing trust meetings and pretty much all of them for the last six years to know how it always comes down for the most part, right? And it's fairly predictable what the what the, the response is going to be. But I don't think you can kind of cut off that piece of it and say, well, we'll look at that later and then present to the town meeting one of the two without having really broken down the, the financial impact. The second piece of this, though, is that given the breakdown with the state, you know, as, as I do my back of the envelope math, um, and I spend a lot of time looking at the town budget, um, I don't know that we would, we should necessarily look that hard at that second proposal under the current breakdown with the state. And so one thing that I think we should put on the table is whether we would approach the state about altering uh, the deal, um, altering the breakdown, because the state, at least the governor, and certain aspects of the state government, maybe not, maybe not our contractual counterparts in the state, have a public policy interest in developing more housing. And so one of the two proposals develops more housing than the other, right? Um, and again, this is not to say that I favor it one or the other, it's just to say that I think to, to make a little bit of the case for it, would we explore the possibility of going to the state and saying, look, if we went down this route, we need to change the breakdown. If we adopted this proposal, we'd like to revise and renegotiate the contract. And I, I don't know that you necessarily thought of that, but um, that's something that's been on my mind. Because so, well, again, this was something that when I think when we negotiated that agreement, I don't know that we were necessarily thinking it was going to be these kinds of numbers as opposed to something else. And again, it may just be that it's a complete non-starter, but I, I would just want to make sure that as we're vetting the two of them, we kind of understand what the differences are. And, and I just, you just, to me, you just can't understand the contrast between the two of them without kind of doing the cost breakdown between the two. So those, that's, those are my two thoughts. I, I promised you a question, but I don't really have one other than to say, well, what do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on the, on the first one, I agree, except I think it's done as part of this next four months. I think, you know, we've asked formally Pulte for information behind their assumptions on, for example, school costs and impact on the town. And they basically restated you know, these are the numbers without any background. What we've gotten from Trinity is a study by Mark Fougere, who's done where I think you've seen probably as part of the Affordable Housing Trust, other projects, who's you know a credible person in the space. I'm not saying I accept or the committee accepts any or all of his numbers, but the idea would be then to 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 drill down. I think it's 
I don't think you can say, you know, any of these, I'll call them four proposals, right? The, the two proposals, but one of them has three options are executable right now. I mean, so, you know, the Medfield Historic District Commission, for example, has bylaws about demolition and construction activity in a historic district. This is in historic district. So to sort of put it to the town to say, you know, do you want a pile of money or do you want this? I think is a little, you know, there's just kind of more, more to it. Uh, even just their proposal A in the Arboretum, it's not clear to us. And I, I, I haven't been able to see that the master planning committee, you know, actually did this level of research when they said you can take down those buildings in the Arboretum and do 24 townhouses, that you could actually do that without jeopardizing the tax credits for the core campus. So we're, you know, we've engaged a consultant, as you know, on, on behalf of the committee to talk to the National Park Service and the and Mass Historic to, to get feedback on that question. Uh, you know, pursuing or just looking at the numbers on Pulte option A may obscure the fact that it, it, you know, forecloses development opportunities on the core campus, which we see as the big, the big challenge. So I'm not disagreeing with you on the level of analysis. I think I see it as the timing is different. We want the best information we can get, and we don't have it right now. And I guess that's the, the that's the problem that I have, right? It, it's like you can't, and I understand the dilemma, right? They, they, the developer can't give you a really detailed proposal without the additional due diligence. Right. In order to get into that expensive. process, you've got to pick one of the two, right? right. Um, and I guess the the and it may well be again. That's what I'm saying. That this is a concern I have. I'm not. A, I'm not wedded to this, right? I'm not in love with my own statements. I'm open to discussion. Um, but that's the, that's the, that's my dilemma here. The same, if we go down that route with Trinity as, as the, the development, and Robert's obviously not on the agenda to vote on it tonight, so it's not uh, a vote for this. Um, it's not a, um, uh, we're not gonna vote on it tonight, but if we go down that route, when is the point at which we feel like we're able to balance those things, right? When is the point at which we have a discussion either from the selectmen or the town administration or the warrant committee or what have you on sort of what you would use the money for um, such that you can really lay out to people this is what the different differential impact yeah. would be. And, I, and I'm coming at this from the perspective for me personally as, as an individual, I'm perfectly fine with your recommendation. But I just want to make sure that you know, from in my public position that we are, we're comparing the two proposals kind of on the best merits of each, as opposed to saying, we're going to look at the two that we have and sort of pick one um, without kind of looking at, because they're different, right? I think if your constituency is the buildings in the campus, it's clear that Trinity is better for the buildings in the campus. If you look at the town collectively, um, and again, given the concern about taxes and all of the other things that we have, um, and again, it may turn out that, that the Pulte proposals a negative from that front too, or not a sufficient positive. It's sort of trading off on two things, right? It's trading off on a financial benefit versus um, a lot of what I, I think are very serious benefits in the preservation of the campus and, and all the rest of it. And so that's that's kind of my dilemma. Is that I, I don't I throw a comment yeah. in, in reaction. And uh, first off, like you, the fact that Pulte put in a proposal that basically put a, what I'll call a sheer monetary value on the maximum economic value you can extract from redevelopment there. I actually really appreciate it because mm -hmm. we had no we had no reference point. We didn't know what the opportunity cost is. We we're giving up when we decide to go down the path of restoring 
the, the hospital. And that's as good a benchmark as any. Having said that, we went through the town, went through a four-year master planning process, spent at least a half million dollars to get to the picture of what the town said it wanted. And the context of what this committee has been asked to do is to take that and then pursue or explore what the possibilities were to actually develop in accordance with the master plan for the hospital. I'm not arguing with the idea that it might be useful for people to have the comparative between what's the best we could do if we got 20 million or 25 million out of the 40 million on a split. Uh, I have a hard time picturing the state knowing that it's a $40 million number, just agreeing to, to change it. But my point is, whatever that number turns out to be, I can see how it's useful to do that. I'm not sure that this is the committee that should be asked to do that. This is the committee that's been asked to pursue the implementation of the master plan. And we have, we have something there. Um, if, in fact, we were to go like in the direction of Pulte, I suspect that that pulls the rug out from CAM and the, and the restoration of the chapel because of the, the historic tax credits and everything. So basically, there are already implications of doing that. Now, at the point in time that, this, that the town has to decide whether, assuming that we get to an agreement, that Trinity does its due diligence and comes up with something, that something isn't going to look exact. I would be astonished if that something looked exactly like the master plan. Mm -hmm. For one thing right now, the proposal doesn't have any commercial property whatsoever. And the Trinity? I understand but what I'm saying, Bill, is that un as opposed to having office space somewhere, there's living, every, all the buildings are used for living. That's not true either. There's 300,000 square feet that's not being used for anything. I'm okay, all right. Arguing. Well, I like, I, listen, I'm not arguing yeah. with anything that, that Todd said or anything that you guys are saying up there, but I'm just wish to have a microphone. But you said you weren't going to take comments. Well, since well, you're already talking, right. you can get a microphone, and nice. we'll just consider that Bill is not a member of the public, so we're going to let him speak. So let me, let me just make a, just a couple of points. I'm sure that the committee, I, although I hate to speak for the committee, but I'm sure the committee was as surprised and perhaps disappointed as I was with the number of responses that came in. Because they went out to something in the neighborhood of 36 or 38 historic preservation companies and got one response back. And it went out to, I think, four or five at least of the major um, tear it down and build something else companies. Uh, so example, for example, Pulte, uh, Avalon Bay, I think was one of the bidders. Uh, Avalon Bay did Danvers, uh, the, the redevelopment of Danvers. It was, uh, you know, DCAMP sold directly to, uh, to Avalon Bay to do that. You didn't get any responses from any, from any of those companies. Um, as a citizen, I'd like to know if we found out any reasons why none of these people voted. I mean, excuse me, re re responded. So can we, can we put a pin in that, Bill? Yes. And then just I want to just come back to the process, um, the, the process point here. 
and, and well, then we can answer that question. But I'm going to cut it off. I did say we're going to take public comment at this point. I got. I'm sorry. I have so, to say this. The zoning vote was not an endorsement of the master plan. The zoning vote was. Bill, I, we, we got it. Well, it. except, but I mean, you know, you, no, no, no. But we're, we're having a discussion here. We're not making a decision. So before we're going to make a decision, you'll have fine. an opportunity. And so I want to just get back to the process point, not so much on the details of the zoning, but from, and, and let me if I can just just interrupt you here a little bit because this this is this is the second piece of my thought here, which is so the the one way to do it, which is kind of the stalking horse I outlined at the beginning, is to kind of come up with a, a town financial model of both of these proposals at the beginning. Um, and kind of weigh those two models at the outset, right? And have as part of the um, as part of the um, initial assessment between the two, you're going to pick, right? You're going to pick this financial benefit that's going to have these impact on people in this numbers, or, or, or you're going to trade off at the beginning. The, the other way to do it, which I think is where Gus is kind of heading, and this is my question as the timing and the point at which you do it. And, and I will say that when I was thinking about this six weeks ago, I probably was more of the view I just described. The second way to do it is that you, you always have the stocking horse proposal, right? And this is something I think I've said a number of times. Um, you, you kind of will always have the Pulte option, right? Even though we only got one of them, even though, and I think we kind of knew this just from the standpoint, if you were sort of in desperate straits as a town, like you, they're kind of always going to be there, you know, at least in the the way the demographics are in the in the Commonwealth for the next five to 10, 15 years, it could be a change after that. But in the in that realm, you're probably going to have that option. So the other way to do it is to say uh, the time to develop the alternative financial model and the time to um, the time to um, do this part of it is while you're having the discussion with Trinity. Right. So in other words, if we were to go ahead with and again, we're not going to vote this tonight because I, I do want to have have some public comment before we, we do that. But um, the other way to do it there's is no vote. There's no vote on the agenda or anything. Right. Right. So I mean, there's, there's no, no vote in the process for you guys. This was the committee is going to come up with a recommendation on who we should move ahead with. We'll either approve it or not. But at this point, none, Todd's not here to get a vote from the. No, no, I know. That's not on the agenda either. But I, I would hope before you would pick one of we'd pick one of the two that we would vote to pick one of the two. I mean, I. I would think right. so to make that based on the recommendation that you're making. I don't know yeah, I mean, think what the legal process is in, under the agreement, but I have to look. Yeah. So, but anyway, we're not voting on that tonight. So the, the, the well, other well, way to do it let's is. Let's not even worry about the legal for a minute here, unless Mark wants to weigh in. The committee's been asked to evaluate the proposals that have come in and develop and, and if appropriate, pick one. The committee's kind of done that. Um, if what you're saying is that as selectmen, you would like to actually make the decision. I don't think that's how this was set up at this point in the process. I think it was actually set up at the point that we were really going to go ahead with something. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting out on my I'm getting out in front of my skis here. But if if Pete and Mike say, no, no, we want to make forget whether it's the league. Maybe the legal says you have to do it. But even if you don't, if they want to basically weigh in on the decision of who we designate. Um, I'm not sure how you're going to do it unless you kind of override the entire evaluation that the committee's done because the committee's already done it. 
Sorry yeah, no, I'm not. I, again, I, and I and I want to get away from it. We got to technically find out under the RFP and everything else who has to decide it. It's usually the selectmen have to sign the agreement to the extent of all the rest of it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's delegated to the development committee. Which that's I don't want to talk about yeah. the legal. Whatever the okay. rule is, we'll follow the rule. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking okay. about conceptually in the process. So the second way to do it is to say the Trinity proposal is obviously closer, right? Closer to what what the 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 zoning, the proposal, the discussion, the rest had in mind, right? It looks like it does now, right? I mean, that's kind of the 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 thing, that that's the focus has been on coming up with something that looks like it does now, right? That's, that was the focus of the Master Planning Committee. That was the focus of the whole process is how do we preserve the buildings and make it look like it does now, right? And that's where we came up with, I think, a zoning proposal that gives us the best shot to get approval. And I agree with Bill entirely. The zoning endorsement was not an endorsement of the preferred scenario, the master plan, anything else. It was an endorsement of a set of zoning rules. That's what it was. Um, and now that the master planning process is unimportant. I mean, the committee that agrees with that. I mean, that's consider not it. I mean, it's important. I mean, it's that's interesting. That's it's a lot of work. Settled. They did a great yeah. job. Whatever. I, I'm just, but just from, from thinking about it at this point, saying, because the other way to do it is to say, all right, we'll take your recommendation. Whoever formally votes to go down that process will get, will answer that question. And then in, in the alternative, we develop the financial model on the alternative proposal, right? Which may include approaching the state to see if there's any possibility of renegotiating if they wanted to incentivize us. And I think Gus is likely correct because what the Commonwealth generally does in housing is say we'd like to build more housing and put no money whatsoever behind it. And that's generally why we end up in a situation where the house prices keep going up despite decades and generations of political leaders saying we need to have more housing, we need to have more housing, but they don't put any resources behind it. Lo and behold, you don't get more housing. Um, I think we have a good basis for going back to the state and asking yeah. them to rethink it. Uh, I mean, in Newton, they're, they're, they're basically giving the city of Newton, the uh, West Newton Armory, for affordable housing. Yeah. Um, instead so, of selling it to them and, and taking half the proceeds. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of, thank you, Pete. Um, you know, that's kind of uh, the second way to do it would be to say, we'll get some, we'll get some public input, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it, whoever proceeds will proceed on the Trinity, but then we'll develop sort of the stocking horse. And by the time you're, you know, if, if assuming the Trinity comes through as viable, you're presenting it to the town meeting, you know, people have in the background, here's what the economic alternative would be, recognizing that there's obstacles, there's problems, there's difficulties and all the rest of it, but it's a yes or a no on the Trinity proposal and you kind of get the final yes or no on that, right? And yeah, then, so that's that's mm -hmm. consistent with how we're thinking about yeah. it. It assumes, however, Trinity stays at the table. They don't get into the buildings and say, yeah, yeah. Well, time out, we're, they, we're out. If they leave, they we're leave. just out, right, right. right. So the part, it, the part I didn't understand about your comment there, Mike, at first was that modeling of the Pulte option. I don't know what, like first up, my first reaction is given where this committee is going in trying to you know, yet approach a contract, I'm not sure it's reasonable to then say, but at the same time, we want to ask you to create a scenario that's entirely different and do the analysis. But on top of that, it's like I'm not really sure what that analysis looks like. We know what Pulte is going to do. We know they're going to give us X amount of money. And so, yeah, there's some study around what the what the town cost impacts would be. But there's like either it's a really simple job or it's not a simple job. And this is probably not the committee that should do that. Maybe it's through the planning. Yeah, no, I'm not suggesting okay. you're the committee to okay. do it. Okay. That's another okay. question. Right. Again, okay. I'm, I'm, I am not staking out a position okay. here on this, okay. but I'm trying to understand yeah. where in the process do we lay out for people 
And maybe we don't. Maybe we just say, look, we're going to pick Trinity. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to give any information on the others. We're just going to go ahead with that. We're not going to look at both. So it was- I think we have to have some sense in the same way we do with the school, looking at the cost of the two different options and looking at the different proposals in the different places. Like, we have to have some sense. Here's what this looks like. And we, we haven't done that, right? Because we really didn't, even in the modeling that, that Pat did, we really didn't have the model where we get $35 million for it, right? Like, that wasn't, we didn't come up with that in the process, which given that a lot of our, our, our expenses and, and maybe $2 million, $2.5 million of what we pay in our budget every year is a result of effectively undercapitalization, where we're paying off the tax levy, things that are really capital expenses that should have been funded between 1965 and 2010 and weren't, right, that we're making up for that we pay as we go. Um, it is Those are the kinds of expenses that are amenable to being resolved through an infusion of cash, right? Now, again, I'm not saying that's what we should pick because as, as I, I say that I'm not, we're not running a business, we're not picking the best financial option here, only there's other public goods other than minimization of, of taxes, right? As much as I don't like to pay taxes, nobody does, right? But I think we do have to have an understanding of what it is. And it may be that the way we develop that understanding is something that the town is going to do, right? I don't think we need to ask Pulte to do it. I, I don't think it's that complicated. I think it's a matter of kind of mo- modeling out um, what, the process, what the progress would be, what the timing of the payments would be, um, you know, p- putting aside for a minute, just all the complications of, of the rest of it, just to understand financially, this is sort of the alternatives that would be there because to Bill's point, otherwise we only got one proposal that fits the Trinity model, right? We only got one. Um, and there could be any number of reasons for that. It could just be COVID. It could be. I mean, I, I, I know, I mean, I've talked to four or five groups that chose not to bid. So I have some insight into that. And what is that insight? Well, uh, one group said, you know, we see this as, you know, two thirds preservation, one third new construction. It doesn't really fit our model. We love the site. We've done other state hospitals. This is Evelyn Bay. We don't think we want to do another state hospital where it's mostly historic rehabilitation. We had other groups say uh, we are expert in historic tax credits. We, t- we generally pair them with low income housing tax credits, affordable housing. We think that would involve a proposal that generates a lot more affordable housing than what you said you wanted in the RFP. We don't think we have a competitive advantage. We pass. And we've had others say, you guys are asking for a lot. You know, this isn't pay us a dollar for the FAF Center and do something with it. This is, you know, here are some guidelines, here are some expectations. And as you read the RFP, you can see, because I think it reflects views in the community, you know, it's, it's a dynamic situation. It's, there are different constituencies in town that favor different things for that property. And that ends up getting reflected in the RFP saying, you know, here we want something that respects the five years of master planning, but it doesn't have to be the master plan, right? Which is why we got, when we interviewed Pulte, the first thing they said was, we respect everything that was done. We saw in the RFP, we could submit something that wasn't in that vein. And so we did, and we had an hour and a half discussion about it. So. You know, the fact that people didn't respond, I think, you know, there are reasons for that, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, unless we're going to say we're going to rip up the RFP and start over and we're going to get more responses, you know, in another round, which I don't necessarily think is realistic or likely, um, we're trying to work with what we have. That's nice to know that. That's good information. Yeah, all right. So, t- Todd, just to, to follow up on your question, Mike, to, he, the, 
Mike was asking the question, so where does where would something like that fit in the process? And so just let's assume that whatever that modeling is, that's the max economic return modeling, gets done outside of the development committee, inside the town, and it's sort it's you know it's not heavy deep deep modeling. It's you know bigger than a bread box, smaller than a barn kind of modeling. In the process, the results of that modeling would be important if Trinity were to get through the due diligence period and by the end of the due diligence period said no bid, then we probably want to have that information to, that might be useful information to have if we literally had Trinity walk. If we had everything went forward with Trinity, we worked out the pre-town meeting agreement and for whatever reason, the town voted it down. That might be another time. I'm just trying to figure out from a timing standpoint, when would that kind of information be useful? It seems like it's those two times. Well, I mean, I think our view is, is there's a very high bar to try to go to a special town meeting and, and advocate for something. And so it's, it's during that four months, or maybe it turns right. out to be more than four months. Right when you've got other activity going on at the property and you know, you're applying the same judgments to, to Trinity's assumptions. I don't know that the school department agrees with their assumptions about the impact on the schools. And we said we would sit down and meet with them once we designated somebody, not ask them to evaluate four proposals. So now we could, right? It's kind of to your point, we could ask them to evaluate that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think you can't really assume that each of the proposals submitted on August 2nd is actually executable and people will stand by that proposal and not change the terms, not decide they're not interested for whatever reason. So the benefit of starting the due diligence with the one who's, who, whose evaluation was most favorable by the real estate people you put on your committee is to start that clock and see if they and see if they'll improve the price. We've asked for that. See if there's some optionality around the Arboretum that right now they're, they're doing five units historic renovation. They're not doing 24, they're not doing you know, 87 or whatever the number was in Pulte version A. So I don't know what it costs us to get this information. We're gonna probably a little bit of legal time to write an agreement that gives them access to the site and some type of standing. Yep, and the then just gear, uh, yeah. you know, roll up the sleeves and work on the next phase of improving the information. The other gear in the clock that we ought, we should just be mindful of, it's not the main gear in the clock, but the chapel infirmary cam effort is a gear in the clock. And so if we went down the non-preservation route, I think we will effectively pull the rug out from that whole effort. If we appear to be seriously, it's one thing to look at something as a, as a scenario. If we, and Gene, Gene Minio would have to confirm this, but if we appeared to be looking seriously in the direction of that, because of the potential jeopardy to tax credits, I think that will affect Jean's ability to fundraise for CAM because the people that she's, she's basically trying to bring the CAM process in line with the redevelopment process and actually go ahead and join, Trinity's offered to be the construction manager. And she said, that makes great sense. So it's not the main gear in the clock, it's a gear in the clock. And so I, I would just caution that we wanna be thoughtful Oh, yeah, we understand and again, where we could yeah. potentially do something if we're not thoughtful about how we do something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think that that any proposal and, and any other constituency that has an interest in one of the proposals is always at risk that it won't pass for whatever reason. Right? right? I mean, there's always going to be a risk. There's always going to be an impact on that. Um, and 
But my, my hesitation again, it's not hesitation, my, my question's still open, is that um, we do have to at least provide that information to understand what it is. So we have kind of a, a clear mm-hmm. um, sense of, of what it would mean because it's an abstract, you, know, you sort of have abstract big numbers, right? And, and you can have with, with big sounding numbers, a certain matter of a numeracy sets in, right? Where you have a big number and it's like, that sounds big. It's like when you see in the paper, you read about the number of breakthrough infections you have. Well, we had so many breakthrough infections, right? Well, it's entirely meaningless without telling you how many people are vaccinated, what percentage is it going to be, how many people were sick. You know, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of other contexts you need to actually understand what it means. And that's what I'm kind of getting at, is sort of the context for the alternative and, and what it would mean. And so it sounds, you answered my question that the development committee hasn't done it, doesn't want to do it. Um, and I don't even know if it has to be in the context of Pulte in particular, but sort of that type of proposal, recognizing I think that that type of proposal is kind of mostly going to be available, right? It's mostly going to be... Presumably. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's less complicated, would you agree, from a real estate perspective. And so putting aside the historic issues and all the rest of it, then the tax credits and all this other stuff, right? There's fewer moving parts. So you basically tear it down and you build the same houses you built in Walpole right which is not necessarily what anybody really wants in the abstract I just want to make sure that we're not going about it um, in a way that when we come to the end of it we'll say what what would that have meant right what would the financial alternative have meant and you can actually understand you know what it sounded like a lot of money when you actually crunch it down you know it wouldn't have made that big of a difference because here's all these other expenses you'd have to carry right you'd have to carry these additional expenses and you can even list off what some of them would be and that weakens or that limits the the benefit of kind of taking right. some of those well, capital costs that we spend on our tax levy every year as a result of underfunding in the past and shifts it to something else. Right? So that's right. and, and, you know, there are questions about where you end the analysis, right? So option C, 700 units. So how many people are living up there? 1,400? That's more than 10% of the population of Medfield currently. What does that do to a lot of those are homes, not rentals. So what does that do to the market in town? What does it do to your school? We were talking about the school earlier. So how many school-age kids? I mean, Pulte has not engaged at that level of Although I think we've, done more, I think we've done more work on that piece of it than we have on the town budget piece of it. I, mean, I think we've done, in the course of the hospital master planning analysis, we've done a lot in, in different houses. We've done a lot of analysis of you build X number of houses of this variety this is what we estimate these other impacts. That that part of the modeling, I I, I feel that we're, we're further along than we are on the town budget and tax modeling. And that that's the, again, as I say, it's not a position so much as a, a question, a hesitation, a concern. And um, you know, I I, I I just sort of leave leave you with that. That's kind of where. Just to confirm one thing, Mike put words in your mouth that I think he had a, kind of came out of my mouth. I'm I I I'm basically commented in a manner that I kind of sounded like I was saying, don't burden the development committee with having to do this other second scenario modeling. But I think that was something I was, but before we get leave that, I assume that you would, I don't know whether, is that reasonable that the development committee would like to stay focused on the development that we're path we're on? Well, I mean, I I think we understand it's related. So, I mean, we'd be expecting to, you know, engage with Warren Committee, for example, Nick's done some analysis already. Um, I I guess what I'm asking is, should the development committee take the lead on the development of that second scenario? I I was suggesting no. I was suggesting no. I don't think so either. I was the one who said that, and you said he said that. Yeah, I just don't think we're okay in a position to understand all of those nuances. Okay. 
just didn't want to speak for you, that's all. So, I mean, again, the, the proposal would be to move forward with Trinity as the most advantageous to pursue due diligence with them, but to put Pulte on standby, mm -hmm. not to reject it, not to tell them we're not interested, to tell them we're, we're focusing on this for the next four months right. and to conduct additional analysis with town departments and committees so that by the end of that four months, there could be a negotiation with Trinity if they, you know, assuming we're all still at the table to try to get the best result for the town. And if we, you know, if there was a lot of support for that proposal, then potentially go to special town meeting or town meeting at that point. And it sounded earlier, Pete, like you would like to get some more public input before we take that step. Is that a fair assessment of where well, you I think it, I think it'd be wonderful if we can get some input somehow from the from the residents, but- uh, Which step oh, are you referring to? Before we designated one of them for the four month due diligence period, is that correct? Well, whenever, before before the, the ultimate decision is made, I guess. Well, the ultimate decision is going to town meeting and have the- Yeah, well, that's, you know, no, I, before then is, you know, the sooner the better if you can get I the mean, residents. But, the only way that I can think of to get that is these uh, two opportunities that we have to take votes. So and well, apparently well, those aren't available. Yeah, let me so. slow this down a little bit, because if you're saying before we make the decision on which to proceed with, there's a couple things to keep in mind. We've gone through an evaluation of two proposals. One of the proposals to be able to, to simply decide who, if any, we would move ahead with allowing them to do due diligence. We're at that point as far as the development committee. If you're saying before the development committee decides that, then the due diligence probably won't start till the beginning of next year. If you're saying before, you know, we should know that before we bring something up to the town meeting, that kind of makes sense. But I'm saying it would be ideal to get resident input. But if, it, and my thought was that the, we have these two elections at a special town meeting and a ballot. And, and so I was well, that, but that'll be next spring to, to piggyback on those, but those aren't available to us so that, you know, maybe you can't do it. Oh. So, I mean, you know, Nick has assembled all the public comments uh, and I don't know if you've seen those. I mean, there've been, yeah. there were a couple of rounds of comments on the RFP itself. Then there were comments on the proposals. We solicited questions, people submitted questions, um, which were very helpful. In general so i understand that's not 100 percent participation by yeah. residents of the town yeah. but uh there have been opportunities for input that yeah. we've taken very yeah. seriously and i remember you told me that they're generally in favor of trinity um yeah i think that's a, a, a fair mm -hmm. statement but i guess i guess the question though is is from from the standpoint of like a plebiscite of some kind whether there's enough information because there's, there's other due diligence that has to be done. I do think before we're going to do that, we do have to have some of this financial modeling done on both of them. Um, before we do what? If we if we were going to take Pete's approach to try to just either, we can't use it the election or the town meeting, but sort of a, a broad plebiscite as opposed to an opportunity for public input at one of our meetings. That, that's kind of the question okay. that I would have is that I do think it certainly sounds like there's a lot more work to be done on the trip. Yeah, proposal. I mean, you formed a committee. We were three years at this. So, you know, if you just want to put the proposals out there to see, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, I don't really know what we've been doing for the past three years trying to, I mean, at this point, we're not standing behind one of them saying we want to go to town meeting with this one. We're saying, 
based on the RFP we published, which was vetted here and issued you know, by the town, the proposal that's most responsive and most highly advantageous in our judgment as a committee is the Trinity proposal. And we want to go to the next step with them to determine if we can get to a, a best and final that would be acceptable and attractive to the town. Mm -hmm. I think Mark might have had something. There is a mechanism to put a non-binding question on the ballot on election ballot. Right. But well, the ballots are already printed the for the printed. next election, so it would be March. So it's for me. I mean, no, I don't mean for the Yeah, but that's too late for this process. Election. For March no, no, is too late. Yeah. yeah. No. I think I mean I think look, we didn't we didn't put a vote on this on the agenda is we're not voting on this tonight. We need to answer the question of who even votes on it. And maybe you maybe we've given you the authority to do this without us weighing in one way or the other. I don't know. Um, but we can certainly put it, you know, on an agenda for a meeting in November and and take whatever public input we're going to get, you know, on the two of them. We won't be able to do the detailed financial modeling. I think it'll be at a level of generality. Um, but I, I have no no objection to that Pete. Could I, could I try putting some words in your two mouths, maybe on this one? I love the, you do that, Gus, so please do. <laughs> I try not to. The um, so the development committee has gone through an evaluative process, looked at the, two, the looked at the two slash four proposals. Uh, the entire committee actually was surprisingly consistent about rating. Again, g given the criteria that was driven off the master plan, was the the evaluation on that criteria that we announced in the RFP. The committee was uniformly rating Trinity higher. So the committee itself has at this point informally reached a consensus that Trinity is the developer to move forward into due diligence with. That's that's where the committee's at. What I think I hear one or two of you saying is, well, we would like more time to not a lot of more time, some you know, out till November to first find out whether legally the selectmen have to vote to endorse that recommendation. Uh, or even if that's not true, we'd like another meeting to be able to mull this over and provide feedback to the development committee on whether you're okay with the development committee proceeding with allowing Trinity to due diligence. So whether it's a legal vote or it's just the sentiment of the feedback from the selectmen, it sounds like you want one more meeting to be able to do that to, between now and the 5th, 5th of November, uh, to be able to mull that over and then either give the development committee go ahead to make the decision or vote the decision or stop the process to do some other sort of thing to ask people what they want. I, I, at this point, I think it's uh, it's fine to have the development committee give Trinity the go ahead to do the due diligence. So, okay. I, I you know, Ideally, it would be good to hear from residents in some very broad way mm -hmm. what their what their pleasure is on it, because they are well, very different proposals. Yeah, I mean, do you, you, do you want the money on, or do yeah. you want the? It'll go on a future agenda, and I'll definitely take public input at that. Uh, at that, but I guess the other third side of this, or the third way to look at it, right, is that um, given the disparate nature of the proposals, I think they each have a different set of complications. Right. I think that's fair. And so I think the complications on the the Trinity side are, are more of a real estate construction finance 
set of complications, right? I think the Trinity proposal would require a lot more, um, a lot more of the kind of due diligence within the expertise of the development committee. Um, it's certainly more complicated on that side of it. We might call the development side of it, right? The other Pulte proposal is more complicated on a public side, on a regulatory side, right? You've got the historic district commission. You've got whatever impact, additional impacts you would have by the additional units on water and sewer and roads and all. You know, there's, there's, there's a whole set of complications. I'm not sure it's super complicated from a real estate development standpoint, right? I, in the same way that the Trinity was, you've got Trinity's got all these moving parts for financing. I don't think you have those kind of moving parts on the Pulte side. And so even if you ultimately came to the end of that process and concluded that we weren't going to go ahead with Trinity, it might make sense to go ahead with Trinity anyway, even if we were favoring the other one, because it's going to take a lot more work to get that one kind of teed up to a genuine decision point. Because what I'm hearing from you as well from the analysis you've done, we're not really at a decision point because there's so much more due diligence that has to be done, right? There's, including there's, by the committee, yes. Including by the committee and by that. And so to kind of set this moment up as a sort of door A or door B, it's not really door A or door B. And I'm not as good as, at focusing analogies as Gus is, but we're really kind of further down the hallway, right? We've got to get the light and get us down the dark tunnel before we can get to an A or a B. And it may be that even if the ultimate conclusion is something else, that we've got to go down that Trinity path just to get to the doorway to be able to make a realistic choice. Is that a, a reasonable way to think about it? You put aside the tunnel and the doors and the landing, just to <laughs> say that. Picturing a gladiator emerging into the Coliseum and counting the lions. More the lions of Moria. I mean, so, you know, go back to the the special town meeting on the zoning. I mean, I, I remember, and I'm sure everyone on the committee does as well, you know, people standing up and saying, I'm concerned about traffic. What is this going to mean for traffic? I'm concerned about schools. And so the only way you get to that in the real estate business is you pick somebody who made a bid that's subject to conditions and you say, okay, let's, you know, prove out these conditions and, and make a, a best and final offer that you're willing to close on. Okay. And I think what's a little different in this case, you know, for the town as a seller of real estate, as opposed to a private seller is we have all these municipal activities and analyses that have to be done. Right. But, you know, let's say Trinity goes out there and decides, okay, several of these buildings are beyond salvaging. Now we're going to do 200 units. I mean, all your numbers are changing. So it's doing it all now off of the initial proposals is not, yeah. You know, and we have, we don't have a confidence level that that's right. what we would be getting from them right. in the end from either developer. Right. No, I understand that. So getting the information at what feels like a very low cost or arguably no cost to the town seems like a way to advance the discussion and the analysis, right. so that we're all a lot smarter four months from now without having, you know, gone to a point of no return or spent a lot of money that you know, we can't get back. Okay. All right. Well, I think we'll call it there unless you have anything yeah. else to add to Gus. And we'll, we'll put this on an agenda for November. We'll decide who actually has to vote or do whatever the thing is we have to do to go this next step. And people will have an opportunity to come and comment on it at that point. But I, I Todd, I appreciate the discussion very much. Thank yeah, no, thank you. I know for coming in. I think James Goldstein has appeared. So if we could kick out the hospital people and welcome the James Goldstein. <laughs> um, and Christian, I tried to get you in before that discussion. So all I can say is I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, and this one shouldn't be as long, I hope.
I hope. So this next item on the agenda is a request. The Bay Colony Rail Trail Association is here to discuss the Medfield Rail Trail and request that we sign and approve a contract with our Zappo for rail and tie removal and disposal. Um, oh, you kicked, you kicked me out and now you want me, oh, maybe I'll just stay out and I'll come back. Um, welcome, James Goldstein. Welcome, Christian Donner. I assume James is gonna be doing the talking. All right, James, talk away. Initially, yes, thank you. Um, and I know you've already had a long meeting and there are um, uh, other things to come and a baseball game. So I'll, I'll be as quick as possible and leave a lot of time if you need it for questions. Um, uh, thanks for uh, considering this. Um, uh, this relates to the invitation for bid process. Um, there, there should be a set of slides that um, uh, Nick Milano had, and I don't know if they've been teed up, but if they could be, that would be helpful. Thank you. So the next slide. Um, this is the invitation for bid process. Uh, the IFB was issued in early September. We had a pre-bid conference and trail walk. Proposals were due October 1. Three bids were submitted. The low bidder by far was our Zappo Corp at $80,000. Uh, Nick Milano um, uh, called references and um, uh, sent out a form for references as well. And I actually called um, one of the current references and reported back to Nick. And uh, they were all strong and positive. And Nick can certainly weigh in at any point if he has more to say. Um, but I would ask for the next slide if, if there's nothing more on the bid process. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, so the next step in this process, um, actually, uh, you missed one, Nick, uh, number three. Thank you. Um, the proposed contract with um, our Zappo, just to be clear on some key provisions, um, we wanted them to start and finish quickly, uh, mostly because one of the $100,000 grants expires at the end of the year. So that's in the IFB and it's referenced in the contract. And as far as we know, there's no problem with that provision. Um, there are various safeguards uh, for the town in the um, uh, uh, IFB and its reference. And um, when the contract is signed, you'll have a 50% payment fund, 100% performance fund, and indemnification of the town, uh, which I think covers it well. Um, and this, uh, they have the, the, uh, and have provided already um, copies, uh, or at least um, at the, uh, at the station that they have the insurance coverages, and they may even provide the documentation already. Uh, I'll continue unless someone else wants to ask or add something. Okay. So the next steps in the wheel trail process, once uh, the wheels and ties are removed, uh, the actual surface uh, uh, will be laid down. And it's two steps. There's um, a gravel slash recycled asphalt subsurface. That's about a six inch surface. Uh, and the BPW, as I think you know, um, is providing the material and doing the work. And um, similar to what the BPW staff did for their clearing of the real corridor, they're going to do this um, off hours, if you will, not during their normal duties. And I believe we are reimbursing them time and a half for that. And that will happen 
late winter, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yes, uh, winter and then early spring. They won't finish it before the end of the year, but they will do as much as they can until there's a snowfall or the ground freezes. Uh, and I've had lengthy conversations with, Bo with both um, uh, Maurice Soulet and, and Bobby Kennedy about this process, and um, they're you know, ready to go once the rails and ties are removed. And again, they're going to be a little slower uh, because it's, it's off hours, if you will. But that's okay. Um, as long as it's, uh, it's completed in the early spring, I think we're, we're fine. After that is the final surface installation, and that's a stone dust surface, and that's three-inch depth, and that's going to be contracted out. We have um, informal um, uh, quotes on that, but not a formal quote yet, but we do have actual quotes on this stone dust material, uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, and the final step is uh, installing safety fencing, uh, and that's designated on the plans. I'm not going to go into it now, but th th there are a number of places where the slopes are such that um, uh, it's uh, uh, wise to have safety fencing. We have specs for that. And again, that would be done by the contractor in the spring. Uh, that one um, uh, could take a little bit longer, but, uh, but we think it will be done uh, uh, in the spring. Uh, the other amenities, things like benches, kiosks, and so forth, um, those are not happening um, uh, within the, uh, the first half of 2022 unless we have more savings than we anticipate and we have funds for those. As you recall, those have always been outside of the core uh, budget, but we do plan to continue fundraising. And th these are small items. These are a few thousand dollars. But um, at the moment, we're not planning to do those in the very near term. So I will continue unless there are other comments or questions. So, I, I did have one question, I guess. Just uh, I'm trying to picture the, the rails and the ties will be taken up before the start of the winter. Uh, yes. the, the trail itself will therefore be clear in terms of bro you know, brush branches and all that stuff. None of the actual surface work will occur until late winter or early spring. I'm assuming there's no re my guess is that if it snows this winter and we have a one and a third mile open trail through the woods, people will cross country skiers, who knows, will be using it. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's no reason why that would be a bad thing for people to do in the winter before we put the surface down. Uh, I believe that that's correct. I will say that there's one very small area, a few feet, literally, on the trail near the Beaver Dam, uh, if you know where I'm talking about, um, that needs a little bit of fill first. Um, and DPW is committed to doing that um, uh, uh, before the snowfall, in other words, immediately as the first step. But uh, other than that, because that, that is a, a, if you will, uh, uh, almost a hole um, along the, the uh, trail, which could be a danger for someone. But once, and, and that exists now. Uh, but once that's um, filled, I don't think it's any issue. Okay. So to update you on the budget, this is kind of the, the bottom line. If you recall, the total budget uh, that we already have in hand is $274,000. $200,000 is from the Mass Grants, $74,000 we've raised privately. So I'm not going to um, go over all of these items, but you'll see that, that um, these are the key budget items. And there's an original budget, which was in our original plan, and then there's the actual 
for some items and updated estimates for others. I just want to point out a few quick things here. Um, uh, um, we had some savings in, in these um, smaller expenditures up front. Uh, the DPW um, uh, um, cleared the trees and vegetation. It actually cost more than we anticipated by almost four and a half thousand. Uh, I'm sorry, five and a half thousand dollars. But the, the big increase was on the removal of the rails and ties. This bid is considerably more than we estimated. And the reason for that, uh, and, and this was clear from all three bids, is the tie disposal costs are much more than anticipated. Um, uh, these have to be manifested or, or, or you know, well documented um, uh, as they're disposed. And um, I believe this contractor takes them to Maine, so there's a, a, a heavy trucking cost as well, and then they have to be disposed of properly. So that's a big additional cost. So we don't want to hide that. We want to be upfront about it, but we also have some significant savings, which I'll point out in a moment. Um, the first one is on the gravel and recycled asphalt. Uh, DPW has very large quantities of this. We need over... Um, uh, the number, I think it's over 800 tons of it. Um, hold on, I'll play that. Yeah, 820 tons of it. Uh, um, and they have that, uh, that, that much, um, uh, uh, multiple of that much. Uh, and they're going to provide that. Uh, it will require some of, uh, some of the, uh, their existing materials to be mixed, and we will cover that labor cost. So we have a savings of around 3,500 right there. Uh, the um, installation of the um, uh, surface, DPW is also doing that. Now, we do not have a firm number from DPW on this. I've talked at length with Bobby Kennedy, as you know, um, it, it's his crews who will do this work. Um, uh, a little bit less conversation with Maurice Goulet on this, but this is the best estimate at the moment. And it's consistent with what we had in the original budget, less the, the, the uh, gravel cost, if you, want, if, if you follow me. Um, so uh, th th then we have the stone dust. The, the purchase um, cost has not changed. We've, we've gotten um, recent quotes uh, as, as recent as last week. Um, the installation is less expensive. Uh, and we have, again, not formal quotes, because it hasn't gone out to bid. We have informal quotes from um, uh, trail um, development uh, companies who did the Holliston Trail and others, and uh, it actually comes out to about $13,000 for, uh, for the installation. It's only two to three days of work on the stone dust. All they do is, is um, truck it in, use a paving machine, and roll it. And, uh, um, they can do uh, um, uh, quite a bit in uh, a day. So we, we round it up to 15000 and there's the safety fencing, which um, uh, we've left the same from the original budget. The construction administration, we do have a quote for, and it's less than what we anticipated. And then there's road crossings and trail signage, which I think will actually be less than this, but we haven't changed that budget, 10,000. So our total has gone down slightly. It's at 262. We have, as I mentioned, 274 in hand, and we're still going to do some, some uh, fundraising. So we feel confident that um, this project can be completed well within this budget. And I'll stop there and open up for questions, if that's okay. Pete? So, uh, James, my question had to do with the, uh, um, the bid for Zoppo. 
uh, I was concerned for you because of the fact that the uh, they they valued the the rails, the metal on the rails, so much higher than the other two. Uh, are they locked in for their eighty thousand bids so that even if the rails are worth less, you're still going to get it done for eighty thousand? Once the contract is signed, I believe that's their risk, yes. Okay, uh, I mean, that was my concern. That's their estimate of the value. All right. Um, but, I mean, um, uh, you folks deal with contracts all the time, but, but if someone overestimates or underestimates, it's their risk generally unless there's a change in scope. But, but the value of the steel is not a change in scope as, you know. And you've got a, you're requiring a performance bond to boot, so. So the... the, the the eighty thousand is the bottom line contract price, and they're taking the risk of the value of the steel. Then, yeah, steel sky high right now. So. Okay. Yeah, it, it, uh, it has increased a lot. I also noticed how much higher their value of the steel was than the others. But again, it's it's their risk, not our. Uh, yep. That's all I want to know. Thank you. Okay. Gus and uh, Mike. My, my question also has to do with the Zappo bid. The uh, as you mentioned, the, the and I'm not trying to get that number to go higher than it already is, but sometimes when you get bids that are like really way out of line with other bids, even though it looks good, it's really evidence that the bidder that's the, the most attractive bidder doesn't actually know what they're doing. Um, in this case, I'm looking, com combining the, co the bottom line cost, I don't care how they distribute it out, bottom line cost and the time they say it's gonna take. And I, I note that while you know, their cost is substantially below either of the other ones, uh, in the case of one of them, their time is half of what they projected. So my question is, are you all comfortable perhaps with the references, you have grounds to be more comfortable that they, in fact, maybe just really did know more about how straightforward it was and the other two just missed the target. Are you, are you asking Nicholas or me? Or uh, anybody that wants to come. Really what I'm asking is, are you confident they're going to get jo the job done properly in the time frame and for the cost that we have here? James, your conversation with their work up on the North Shore might be more um, applicable in this case. Sure. I, I'm happy to um, mention that. Um, uh, in coordination with Nick, I called one of the references, um, uh, which is working on a five-town rail trail on the North Shore. Um, it's called the Northern Something Trail. I've forgotten the, the uh, full name. But in any case, they were very, very complimentary and said, in that case, they are, and, and uh, this is the multi-million dollar project, they were, um, I think it was several months ahead of schedule on that particular project, but it was much more than what we are doing here. They were doing road crossings, they were doing pocket parts along this long trail and so forth, so it was, it was a large project, but they were very pleased, and it did include real and time removal. Okay, thanks, great. Those covered my questions. So, um, you're looking for us to vote to approve this contract? Yes. All right. Okay. I move that we approve the contract with R. Zappo for rail and tie removal and disposal. Second. $80,000. All in favor? Aye. Yes. Aye. Opposed? All right. Anything else, Christian or James? Thank you. No, thank you very much. Yes, thank, thank, you. You both, thank you both very much. All right. We'll go next to. If they're still out there in Zoom world, I see Bob Winograd. So we'll go next to the Community Choice Aggregation Committee, the CCAC, uh, recommending the selection of an energy broker, an EB, for Community Choice Aggregation and request BOS approval. Who is going to speak to this? Uh, 
All right. Welcome, Bob, from Zoom. Thank you. And thank you for your thank patience. You <laughs> By the way, what does the last C represent? CCAC. The Community Choice Aggregation Committee. Committee. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this committee consists of three of us, uh, Megan Sullivan, Nick, of course, uh, and myself. There are two open positions that have been filled. So it's going to be carried a little bit over the course of the last three months. Uh, all of you, the three of you, have uh, the memorandum of that recommendation. Uh, I, I'm assuming that you read it. If you want to just give a couple of minutes for the viewers at home who are still with us and, and maybe didn't read the memo, but uh, I did read it, um, but go ahead, please. Okay. Uh, back in July, we uh, put out an RFP uh, for uh, growing the consultant to provide services uh, to a broker, electricity, fine device. Uh, Electricity and one that could be best suited for the needs that we're going to be putting together and representing at the time of that From that RFP, in the beginning of August, we had three responses. They were from Colonial, Colonial Power Group, Good Energy, and Mass Power Choice. Uh, these are three uh, consultant broker groups that have a long history in the state of Massachusetts and well vetted by, uh, by a lot of the services they provided by the cities and towns were excellent in and of themselves. Any one of these would uh, serve our purposes. Our needs would fit that all of us uh, felt that way. Um, there are a couple of things that uh, that were differentiated. Uh, the first is uh, our interest in community outreach and education. Critical to uh, our success with this program is, is going to be how we present to the community the value of this community choice education program. Uh, since that is so critical, it was very important to see how uh, each of these firms presented themselves. Uh, and given uh, that uh, we had on the RFP uh, an interviewing session one hour long with each of these three firms, uh, and then some follow-up questions that, uh, that followed us from, from those interviews, um, the uh, good energy and fast power choice of the two that stood out with regard to uh, energy with regard to outreach and education programs, the services that uh, they provide the, the examples they provide us, the materials they provide us, uh, as examples were, were outstanding. Uh, that was number one. Number two, it is uh, the competitive bidding process. Uh, and it's in this context that uh, Good Energy uh, has a unique relationship with, with, with a nonprofit group that's called Green Energy Consumers Alliance. Uh, and it's an exclusive partnership with Green Energy. Um, Green Energy Consumers with regard to uh, Green Energy Consumers Alliance, I get my words correct here, uh, that is a local nonprofit group that develops renewable power sources uh, in the region and it sells that power in competition uh, with other providers of energy. Um, this unique relationship that uh, Good Energy uh, provides is uh, what two of the three of us in the committee uh, felt would be very valuable for us to be able to take advantage of. Not that we would uh, have any preconceived notion that we should uh, be going with a contract with Green Energy Consumers Alliance, but just the reality of the option there for us. Um, and there are a number of cities and towns, uh, I mentioned a few of them, Melrose, Gloucester, Milton, Waltham, Solomon, Bedford, 
I've got no questions. I just got appreciation for the uh, you folks going through this process and providing a, uh, a recommendation to us. Thank you. Gus. A uh, couple things. The uh, first off, I, whoever wrote the uh, summary of your evaluation, my compliments, I thought it was well written. It was organized and uh, it, it was just clear. Somebody put some good effort into it and, and uh, at least one of us who didn't know exactly what you had done really appreciated the explanation so uh whoever that was my compliments on that i had two questions um one i was trying to understand this green energy consumers alliance the wrecks that they had uh that at least two of you thought that was an advantage it wasn't clear to me what the advantage, not that it's a disadvantage, and I know you're not committed to it, so that's all fine, but I wasn't exactly clear on what the advantage was. Well, the advantage is, is, is that uh, we have an opportunity to get a quote from another provider uh, as being the Okay, so it's, ju it's just, not, okay. And it's not going to be available through mass choice. So can I take from that then that the like the likelihood of going with good energy, their ability to get attractive rates is as good as I think it was mass power was the one that said they had like a massive su supply base there. I'm yeah. just using basic economics here. Usually when there's a bigger s source that you can draw from, the prices are lower. It sounds like that's not a factor here. Is that fair? Well, uh, we. We felt that that is a factor from the standpoint that there are clearly cities and towns that are taking advantage of their offers. And if others have felt uh, that there's been an advantage to go to that group, uh, then there could be the possibility that we've had a similar experience. I could explain it maybe a little differently. So what any broker will do will go out to the whole market. Okay. They'll get bids from everybody that's supplying electricity at that point in time. Okay. What Good Energy has the ability to do is then to say, hey, Green Energy Consumers Alliance, we're out in the market now. Do you have any recs available that we can go grab? They'll quote a price. Okay. That's the difference. That's, that's the only difference. So, so, so the, okay, okay. I, I, okay, got it. Uh, those are my questions. Yeah, I think Gus 
ask the questions I was going to ask about. I, I did have a little bit of a hard time understanding what the real difference was between the two. And so it, it sounds like we're, we're, we have good options here and that, it, it, not that it's a coin flip, but that whatever advantage there is is a, a relatively modest one and we're not really limiting ourselves by picking one or the other. Is that fair? Just yeah, if we piss mass power, we couldn't go with the GCEC, whatever that yeah, is. We all, we felt all three would do a great job. We just felt that the two were so close together that it was really splitting hairs as to which to go with. Yeah, okay. I, I don't have uh, any other okay. questions, comments. Mark, Christine, anybody? We want to make a motion for us? I, I, uh, I, I, you have to sign all of us sign this one, I think. You're all signed. Yeah. We'll bring the contract back. We just still have to negotiate. We were, we're as qualifications based, so we still have to move to contract negotiations. Oh, so what are we, are we simply approving? We're endorsing, we're accepting a recommendation. We're not approving any contracts. Okay. I move that we accept the recommendation of the Community Choice Aggregation Committee to uh, proceed with a contract with uh, good energy. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye opposed? Yes. None. All right. Next, uh, Gene Minio. To request, thank you uh, you're well. Thank you, Bob. Thank, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Nick. Although Nick, thank you're staying, so we'll <laughs> thank you again later. Um, Gene Minio uh, is here. Um, this should be a brief uh, issue. We know what this is, and so I don't know that she even has to speak on it. But if Peter Gus want to, we can. The request is to approve the funding for the holiday stroll and tree lighting on December third, twenty twenty one from 4 to 9 p.m. and approved permission to play signs from November 19th to December 3rd for the holiday stroll and tree light. Pete, any questions, comment, discussion? Uh, no. I think, the, Christine, you told me today the funding request is $5,600. Oh, we're going to go with a, an even 6000 Even 6000 All right. And that's for the barriers, security, lights, the whole... All of the that part of the logistics, safety logistics. Yes. Okay. Not holiday spirits. Well, we did a liquor license. You can't expend uh, public funds on that. So, uh, Gus. Good thing you're here tonight, Mark. <laughs> uh, any, so Pete, sorry, Pete, any questions, comments, discussions? No. Gus? No questions. Nope. All right, so we'll do two votes. Okay. We'll vote to appropriate the 6000 for the holiday stroll and tree lighting and then the signs. So I move that we approve funding in the amount of $6,000 for the holiday stroll and tree lighting on December 3rd, 2021 from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Second. All in favor? Aye. And that's to come from the Board of Selectmen Economic Development. That is from the economic. Improvement Enhancement Energization Fund. There we go. The only way we get the Warrant Committee to replenish it for us. Second, <laughs> second motion. I, I move that we approve the placement of signs for, uh, for the holiday stroll and tree lighting uh, from November 19th to December 3rd for the holiday stroll and tree lighting. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Then. All right. Now we'll go back to uh, the Affordable Housing Trust to discuss the request for proposals regarding the use of bond funds for rental projects and request us to vote to approve releasing the request for proposals. I don't know that we're going to vote to approve it because it's pretty late and we have to have a discussion about it. So we can introduce this. Um, I, I had kind of planned to introduce my, this myself, but Sarah or Jim, I don't know if or Greg or anybody else would like to start that. Well, I don't Think Jim is still here and Greg is still here, so might as well promote Greg and Jim and Sarah. I don't see anybody else from the Affordable Housing Trust here now, um, but I, I, 
Jim. Okay. Yeah. And, and Greg and or Greg or Sarah, do you mind if I just give a little intro to this, or would you rather do it? Go ahead. All right. Thank you all. So, um, and we've had a couple of meetings on this, and and Greg and Jim, as always, have been hugely helpful along with the other members of the trust board. So the, the origin of this was a couple of folds. Um, and one is as we were looking through the um, looking through the housing protection plan and the action plan from last time around, and moving towards what would be the next um, certification date, which is in May 2022. Um, it looked like the potential candidates for getting to the, what was the number for extending that safe harbor certification were not going to be done by May of 2022. And so the two are not going to be what done by May of 2022. We're not going to be in a position to have a comprehensive permit issued on them by May of 2022. So we, we anticipate getting six units from the Hinkley South. And then if the if the certification number is 22, which it might be, it could be 23. But we're, you know, we're not sure exactly what that is yet. But it's going to be 22 or 23. Um, we would have to have an additional 16 or 17 units. And so the two candidates that were in the pipeline as we're looking at this, let's say, last trying to do the, the COVID time adjustment probably last spring, were whatever would happen at the hospital and then the possibility of the renewed Tilden Village um, proposal, the former Rose Bay proposal. And so we had had a, several discussions with the Medfield Housing Authority. I think from the trust perspective, we thought the housing authority option might be the best candidate um, if they were able to get that, resolve some of their issues and bring it back. Um, it's clear as the year has gone on that, that that's not likely to be in a position to, um, to get us to that, um, get us to that, that next certification date that's going to have to be off to the side and the hospital the same, um, even if on, on the fastest track, there won't be as comprehensive permit by May. And so, um, we were looking at, and, I, I, and and you can blame me for this because this was originally, you know, um, something I had raised to discuss. Is kind of looking at the successful projects we've had. I think probably the the two most successful, least controversial, make everybody happy projects we've had are the sixty seven and seventy one North Street um, renovations. Right, it sort of hit all the it hit all the hit all the check boxes you know it, it preserved historic structures it created some additional housing in the downtown some of which were accessible to and potentially attractive to seniors i know several people who have moved in there are if not quite retired sort of in the retirement zone you know they've sort of sold their house and they've moved there uh, moved into one of those apartments because they like living here but uh, didn't want the house anymore um and and have generally been successful and so I think there's been a lot of expressions of interest in additional housing downtown for seniors, for others. And so I kind of had the idea that we've been, you know, been looking, we have this, these bond funds that we haven't used and we may never use, but, and we've been trying to use them on a, the development of a, a, a group home, but we've had some challenges in identifying sort of a management partner for the group home. And so that's sort of been, we've been in the same discussion phase with that as we've been for a long time. And it's, it's, a frustration um, of mine um, and something we have, you know, I think we've had a lot of success with the Affordable Housing Trust. That is one area where we have not succeeded. 
Um, and Mike, we, when you lowered your voice about your frustration with it. What, oh, the frustration that we haven't been able to move ahead with the group home, right? I think one of the Because of why? Because we, we don't have a, a management part. The thing that we need for the trust to, to be able to participate in the group home is a company or a group that would manage the group home. So the trust can help with the acquisition of land. We can help with the acquisition of the building. All of the advice we've gotten, and we've spoken to a lot of people who do this, is that you, you can't just do it on spec, right? We can't just go out and say, this looks like a good spot for a group home. We're gonna buy this piece and then advertise it for group homes because there's a lot of different group home providers. They have different requirements. They have different rules. They have different things they're looking for. And so what we've been trying to find is kind of somebody who would step forward and say, if, if you got that piece of property, we would bid on it. And then you could go get the piece of property, you'd have a competitive bidding process, and you'd know you'd have at least one person who was interested in managing it. Uh, we have not been able to get to that point. We have, we have sort of gotten, we, we had one right at the beginning, um, and they got an offer from Westwood, sort of the proverbial offer you couldn't refuse. Westwood just handed them an acre of land in the center of town. And you know we couldn't compete with that. We didn't have a flat acre of land in the center of town to hand them, and that was kind of the, that was kind of it for that. So since then, we've had a lot of these discussions. It's been a little bit of a chicken and egg dilemma in, in that you know they want to know what we have available. It's obviously been a very hot and competitive housing market for a long period of time. So a lot of the residential type houses you'd be buying, we're just, you just can't through a public procurement process be engaged in the the residential real estate market here. So we've kind of been stuck. Um, we're not giving up. We, we still would like to find the right partner for us that can help us identify the right property and move ahead. And, and I think some of the funds are still available, even if we went ahead with this, something like this are still available. So that was that's sort of what we'd hope to do. We haven't done it, put that to a side. But then I had, well, we have these two successful projects, 6771. Um, I think Pete has mentioned, a lot of people have mentioned that it'd be nice to have some more housing downtown. There are still a number of older buildings downtown that with some refurbishment and refreshment could undergo the same kind of renovation that um, that 67 and 71 North Street did, um, whether it's something above an existing business or some other kind of building, but it hasn't happened just through essentially word of mouth or people coming to us and saying, this is something we'd like to do. So the, the thought here was, is there something we could do financially to stimulate that? And so the idea was if you sort of put it out there offering to participate financially in one of these redevelopments, maybe not necessarily a, a developer, but a property owner might say, well, I don't really want to, I can't take this on myself, but if you added you know, $250,000 to the mix, I'd be interested in doing it because that would cover some, some part of it. And so, because this is some, this is a little sui generis, it's gone through a lot of revisions and I really appreciate Greg's input and Jim and Sarah's and bond council and the rest to make sure it's at least legal. But that's sort of the concept, the idea being, can we stimulate you know, one or two additional small, most likely in the center of towns built kind of on that 61, 771 North Street that would have a twofold effect. One is potentially because those are, are simpler you reasonably could get to a comprehensive permit in a certification range. Maybe it wasn't directly in May, but it's close enough. Um, and then secondly, the kind of the secondary goal of having a little more housing in the downtown area that while it wouldn't have to be senior restricted, it could be senior restricted. There's no reason it couldn't be, but would be attractive because I think that's an area where um, a lot of seniors would like to live. We don't at the moment have 
piece of land that would be perfect for something more substantial. So this would be a modest kind of bridge um, for that one extra year of certification, um, providing some additional vitality to the downtown. And then um, within that year afterwards, then you'd have either or both of the the housing authority or the hospital or something that would come through that would kind of get us over the over the tension. So that that's sort of the overall rationale. There's a lot of detail and verbiage in here that's been worked on very carefully um, by Greg and, and Brown Council and, and and to kind of get it within the the framework of what's approved. But that's the basic philosophy behind it and the goal and the objective and, and all that. So I'll stop there. Jim or Greg, Sarah, did I miss anything? I think you covered it pretty well. Okay, thanks. Pete? So I think it's a good idea. Um, back after the 200-unit uh, uh, 40B was proposed in town, I was talking to Riverside because of my past uh, history with them, and they were actually looking to site a group home for uh, brain-injured individuals. They had the money from the state. They were, they were willing to site it in Medfield because uh, we were in the area in which the state wanted it. Um, the general locale and the problem was they, they couldn't find a property in Medfield that suited their purposes that made it work financially and there was actually a house uh, it's the first house as you come into Medfield from uh, from Dover Westwood on the left which was a ranch house that sold at the time for 500,000 and that was about a hundred thousand more than Riverside could have used for uh, purchase acquisition costs uh, so that if they had put a four four person group home there and then had gotten a couple hundred thousand from this program, they, they would have located there. Right. right. So, and there would still be money left over for that. But that's what we're that's what we're looking to do in the group home context, right? Is to provide to, to fill the gap between what the group home provider can pay and what the cost is, just given the cost of housing. That's so, I mean, the group home providers, uh, most of them are, are, are vendors to the state. And so the question is whether or not the state is, has a group of people that they're looking to provide housing for. So I don't know how you, I mean, you can go out to the people that do it, like the May Institute or the Riverside, and, and try to find out yeah. if they have consumers that they, that they need to locate somewhere. Yeah, we've had a number, number of those. You tried that, huh? So, okay. I mean, we're still trying. Right? So we're still open for business on it. It's just, it's just the, we kind of run into the situation of tough place to find a, the right kind of building. You find some place five miles away, from the state perspective, they ever said, "Well, it's just as good if we're in Norfolk or Millis or you know this way." If you had, and that's what happened with. Um, I'm going to blank on the name, but the one we were originally working with, um, again, they got freelanced from Westwood, and that was like. Oh. Yeah. Next, <laughs> so we've enjoyed meeting with you, and thank you for your time. There was at that time. I was also talking to some builder who had a, a, a lot over here in the downtown, and and I told him, you know, make it into a group home. We'll help you. But he, yeah. he decided to build a colonial. Yeah. Well, don't blame him, I guess. But anything else in that? No, no, that's it. So having one one question again. First off, I what you're trying to do here. I agree with Pete. That's especially in renovating buildings downtown, uh, both from the standpoint of convenience for people who want to be downtown and from the standpoint of renovating buildings that would benefit from that, that's great. So the concept uh, makes sense to me. It refers to this as the pilot round of IRP, but it's for $800,000 and we only have a million dollars in that bond. So I wasn't sure 
how to understand pilot round using 800,000. And it sounds like we still have money beyond that. So is it that the Affordable Housing Trust has money that's beyond the million dollar bond or? No, Sarah or Jim, do you want to speak to the pilot round? Other than it being first, maybe last. <laughs> I, I, this, this is Sarah, I can speak to that. Um, to be honest with you, this was a very hard uh, RFP to draft because it is not a typical circumstance. So I think I found some uh, language that I used as a template, and uh, this was from the city of Boston, and they were indeed creating um, multiple rounds. So. That's, um, so maybe unless, unless we're targeting aircraft pilots, we probably should change the name on that. I would think. I, I mean, I, I just don't think. I, I was assuming we aren't really talking about going back to the town for another million dollars of bondable funds. No, I, I think the other aspect of this is that proposal would come in as less than the eight hundred thousand. Right, so that would be growing for another round if if you so choose. So we may have a smaller project that just. Yeah. So that, that, that actually leads to my next, I was trying to understand that this is going out. It sounds like there would be lots of potential responders in, you know, Mike, to your example there, well, maybe there's a homeowner who, you know, with 250,000 would, would build something. So actually I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure if this was 800, you know, whether we're talking about $800,000 with the expectation of finding somebody who's going to build a eight or 16 unit thing or you know what the what the increments are likely to be out of that million so i, I think the hope was that the the competition would be to bid for the most units at the lowest price so sort of in an ideal situation where you had 10 bidders right you'd be somebody saying well i'll do 25,000 units someone else will say 15,000 units someone else will say 10 right, right you right. have kind of right. that kind of a competitive process you could have you know, I've always kind of envisioned it, and I don't speak for the, the trust board and this as sort of an eight and an eight, but there's no reason it couldn't be a four and a 12. I mean, it's usually yeah, going to be yeah, in four yeah. unit increments because of the 40B math, but, mm -hmm. you know, it could be a four and a four and an eight. And, you know, yeah. you could have a couple of different ways of, of doing it. And that's why we kind of drafted it. So you could have somebody to come in and say, well, I'm not doing 16, mm -hmm. but if you gave me 100,000, I'd do four. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I would do that. And then that would have the same, okay. same effect, right? Because you could have it be a, building owner who's going to bid and probably partner with the developer mm -hmm. to say, look, I'll go in with you on the building. We'll take the money. This person will do the development and and kind of do it that way. Right. So, so the bottom line is I think I understand why this makes sense and I can see how it could be good in many ways. There's one place my mind, this is going to be like when you talk about the Pultish proposal here. There's one place my mind wandered. <laughs> this is going back to where we started. Should the school, the new school be put in at Wheelock. And with all the discussions about the reuse of Dale, my, my own personal view is that some portion of that school would be an ideal candidate for senior conversion to senior housing, except that we probably are going to have to be smart about where we would find the source of funds to, you know, at least contribute to that kind of project. So the only reaction I had, I don't, I, it's not a strong enough reaction to pull the rug out from this, but I'm saying, would we be better off taking a million dollars if these other things happen? And we'll know relatively soon. If those things happen, would we be better off? Uh, Chris, that wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to get that project going for the time, never mind. Well, here, here's, here's, here's my, my goal. Yeah, right? I see where you're going. Yeah. Here's my, again, response to that, yeah. is that my hope would be 
if we are doing senior housing there, that we are in our sort of permanent safe harbor. Yeah, and okay. so we don't have to necessarily okay. march to the state, how the state defines affordable housing, yeah. right? Because okay. we are in the mode of, right. right now we have sort of wedded our view of affordable housing to how the state defines it, right? And I think we all have problems with it for a variety of reasons. It's not been a particularly successful approach as, as we've discussed, but it is what it is. Once we're there, the way the trust bylaws are written, you know, we actually don't have to be tied to the state's definition of capital A, capital H affordable housing. I mean, to reuse the Dale site, it would probably have to be owned by the trust, mm -hmm. but it's it doesn't, the trust can own and operate affordable community housing that doesn't meet the state standard. And so my hope would be we wouldn't have to put any money into it, okay. <laughs> right? Because okay. it would be attractive enough right. to, a, to, a, to a private developer who would want to lease that from the town okay. that we wouldn't have to put any money. That would be my Okay, hope. all right. So if that, yeah, I mean, I, but. Those are my questions. Okay, so. I think we need to come up with a better name. And so one of the reasons we're not gonna issue it tonight is that, and we can put it on for our next meeting to issue it, this RFP, if you guys are both good with it, is we do need to come up with a better name than the Incentivizing Rentals Program. Um, you know, that is what it is. I, I kind of named it that just as a purely descriptive name. You know, what is this? I call it blue shirt. <laughs> this is a blue shirt. <laughs> you know, this, is, this program incentivizes what we'll call it the incentivizing rental program. So, um, but we because can put the time I spent in the military, the acronym ERP, ERP. is immediate response. <laughs> <to this. laughs> so kind of yeah. So we'll come up with a better name, uh, hopefully. So if anyone have any suggestions for a better name, uh, a long acronym, that would be great. But appreciate the comments. All right. Next, review and vote to approve the town of Medfield financial policy. And begin with my thanks to the Warrant Committee and Christine and Nick and everybody else who has had. Uh, and thank you to Jim and Greg and Sarah as well. Sorry about that. Um, uh, who has contributed to this revision of the policy. It's, it's substantively the same, but I think it's improved from the input we've gotten. So as I mentioned, if any of the folks in the public have a comment, let me know on this one. Um, but Pete, any comments, questions, discussion? Do, was this in the uh, in the meeting? Uh, this was in the packet. Yeah. Oh, it was. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Right after the um, right after the community choice aggregation. Okay, I was working off of Gus's draft, so I didn't see what the Warren Committee suggested then. Yeah, I think the, the major um, warrant committee suggestion, because um, in the last draft we reviewed, the test for compliance was essentially we adopted the test that the warrant committee has developed over the last several years. And then the warrant committee added what's in Roman three on financial forecasting and trend monitoring. And as you can see at the end, the Warren Committee has also expressed an interest in signing off on and agreeing to the policy as well.
Is there any comments, Pete? Or do you want to guess what you have comments? The Pete, you want to look at it, didn't, didn't have minor, to... minor super micro on page three, section two, capital building maintenance plan. Yeah. Second paragraph. Um, there's two references to the school committee there. And I think, Nick, you had previously crossed that out in both places, but it didn't get crossed out. So my question is, in that second paragraph, is that that's like the only place the school committee exists in this policy? Is that intentional? Because it was crossed out in a prior version. I don't recall. There was The reference was there because they have their buildings under the that 20-year plan. So it should stay in. I think for that one they should, yeah. Okay, so it was just one of the earlier versions, but yeah. it was your I know, I your remember this process, I don't yeah. know. Okay, and then the other question I had was under section six proceeds. This is actually a question I had before, so I still had the question. Um, proceeds from the sale of town assets. Um, I had asked a question and a comment before to the extent permitted by law, the proceeds of any sales of town land or other assets in the scenario that I raised was departments selling used vehicles. And we had a discussion that said, well, that's usually a used vehicle that's used to offset the cost of a vehicle. That, that's, you know, because we had the conversation, it's clear to me that's what we meant. When I read it, it's not obvious to me that that's what we meant. Give me this introducing upon sentence. approval. No, no, first sentence. To the extent permitted by law, the proceeds of any sales of town land or other assets. Yeah. So when it, when the DPW sells one of their old trucks, mm -hmm. does this section apply to that sale? And I think the answer is no, because they usually take that trade well, in. That's what the second sentence stresses, right? Uh, upon the Board of Selectmen approval, proceeds of the sale of other town assets, excluding and may be used by the department that generates proceeds. Of the ah, okay, you answered Previously my question. Of capital expenditures okay, yeah, or fund we... other ones. Okay. And then the other, then the other question I had in that same paragraph, yeah. in that same first sentence, shall be deposited in a reserve, stabilization, trust, or other undesignated fund. Does that mean, I, I just don't know what, what that means. Does an undesignated fund mean like a reserve fund is not designated for a specific purpose? So Correct. that's what we mean by yeah. undesignated. It's just, I didn't know the use of the word. Okay. Right. Those are the only questions. Whereas a trust might be a designated fund. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, I, I just didn't understand the usage. Uh, that's it. Okay. All right. Um, is, there a, is there a timing issue to, to approve this or could we do it at the next meeting and give me time to read it? We could do it at the next meeting if you want to read it. And then, yeah, we can do it on November 2nd. I think the Warren Committee might have voted for it. Are they going to put it on their? Uh, they're not sure where it's going to fit on their agenda okay. yet. Right. So. so we can put this on a vote on this for the second so you have time to look at it. Okay. Get your green eyed shade out and read it. Thank um, you. All right. It helps, Pete, if you were using my markup. I did a near total audit for my markup <laughs> to this one. So in terms of anything that you saw in the in the comments, they probably all get incorporated in, or there was something that rewarded, which was at least I liked better. So you could probably just read it, and if nothing snags up, you can be relatively okay. confident that the the blocking and tackling review gets taken care okay. of. Okay, good. Unless you want to jump into it, but all right, action items. Um, First, vote to approve the application for 40B technical assistance to the Zoning Board of Appeals during the hearing and decision process for the Hinkley South project. Any comments or questions on this one? No. Do you need to recuse yourself from this, Pete, or not? Um, I, I can, I suppose. Sure. Just, I'm just, just up to you. I don't, I don't know if you have to. Or what the... Yeah, I wasn't thinking of it, but I sure, I'll recuse myself. Yep. 
I just want to make sure that, you know. <clears throat> all right, you have a right. motion, Gus? I move that we approve the application for 40B technical assistance to the Zoning Board of Appeals during the hearing and decision process for the Hinkley South project. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? None. Peace. Excuse us. Vote to authorize me to sign the budget revision request number four for the Dale Street School project. And will the town administrator describe the requested $1, change? dollars It's in the ticket. Yep. Budget revision amount is $1,162.63. And what is it for? Uh, let's see. Move to other costs. Yeah. No, I don't remember. I knew this when I looked at it. There it is. We were transferring unused from the OPM feasibility fees to cover a cost for the net zero energy study. There you go. Okay. Any questions on this? Nope. Motion? Nope. Okay. I move that we authorize the chair to sign the budget, revis budget rev revision request number four for the Dale Street School project. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? None. All right. Next request. The vote for us to accept the bids for 2021-2022 rock salt, solar salt, and treated salts. <clears throat> sure sign of har sure harbinger of winter coming, awarding the salt bids. Like solar salt, it just sounds like something you should put on your food. Uh, I'm interested that the uh, Morton Salt Company yeah, puts in the bid. Like too. That, one's, that one's good too. <laughs> Any questions, comments, discussions? Nope. nope. We have a motion. I move that we accept the bids for 2021-2022 CC rock salt, solar salt, and treated salt. Second. All in favor? Yep. Aye. Opposed? Are you awarding a bid to somebody? Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It didn't say that there. It says vote to accept the bids. Yeah. Except, um, is it all of them? It <clears throat> is. You're doing CC Rock Salt is the primary bidder, um, secondary bidder. So you're doing it. You should probably break them down into three different votes, I would think. Yeah, okay. So I'll try that again. I move that we accept the bids for 2021-2022 for CC Rock Salt with the primary bidder of Eastern Minerals Incorporated and the secondary bidder of Morton Salt Company for solar salt Primary, primary bidder, Eastern Minerals Incorporated. Treated salt, primary bidder, Eastern Minerals Incorporated. Secondary bidder, Morton Salt Company. Second. All in favor? Aye. Yep. Opposed? All right. Next, uh, vote to authorize town accountant, Joy Rusciuto, and town administrator, Christine Truweiler, to serve as creator and certifier, respectfully, That's for the fancy. portal of the Norfolk County Disbursement of American Rescue Plan Act funds. Creator and certifier. I am putting that on my resume. The right honorable <laughs> certifier for the Norfolk County portal. So that also means I'm in trouble the boundaries of the town. Right. Now, I wonder, well, I, I won't even mention Yes. It. All right. Any questions, comments, discussion? Nope. No motion. I move that we authorize town accountant Joy Rusciuto and town administrator Christine Trierweiler to serve as creator and certify respectively for the portal for the Norfolk County Disbursement of American Rescue Plan Act federal funds. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, next, we have a request to appoint Thomas Connors, John Day, and John Thompson to the Medfield Historical Commission as associate members for terms expiring on June 30th, 2022. 
not realize that Judge Connors was a Medfield resident. I'm glad to see he's going to be providing services to us, uh, to the town in his retirement from the bench. So, any questions, comments, concerns about any of these folks? Ready? I move that we appoint Thomas Connors, John Day, and John Thompson to the Medfield Historical Commission as associate members for terms to expire June 30th, 2022. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye opposed? All right. Next, a vote to increase the size of the Medfield Energy Committee and appoint George Whiting, James Redden, and Andrew Gerald to the Medfield Energy Committee for terms expiring on June 30th, 2022. I think by the time we're done, like half the town will be a member of the Medfield Energy Committee. If it's like the uh, House of Representatives meets as the Committee of the Whole, you know, to consider. <laughs> well, what's the total? You should have the total membership <clears throat> in that motion. Yeah. I'm not sure there was enough room on the agenda to list Those are just additional members. Additional members. Yeah, but it says move to increase the size. So what's the size going to be? I will tell you. 15, 18. Well, as, as Nick is looking up on the, I, I have some comments. Um, when the Energy Committee wanted to increase its size last time, I raised issues about the size of the Energy Committee. I think it went up to at least 12 or 13. So I think we're going to get, we're going to be closing in on 15 or 16, which to me is an ungainly committee. Uh, the answer, the, you know, the explanation last time was that, well, the Energy Committee is actually moving in several different directions. And therefore, this committee is being broken down into subcommittees. And clearly they are with things like the community choice aggregation. You can see how that's separate from the work that some people have done, like Jim Nail with the development committee. Um, <clears throat> I have a personal concern uh, because I am not happy. <laughs> and I don't want to regenerate the discussion we started our meeting with. But I am absolutely not happy that the Energy Committee did not pursue the net zero at the new school with Eversource. We, we basically saw an example of, of a selectman from Lexington who said it can be done. Based on that, I changed my position about having net zero be a goal for that school. We approved having energy committee representatives working with the building committee. We approved an Eversource representative to work with the committee. And as far as I'm concerned, I didn't find out till three weeks ago that basically nothing had been done to act to get a similar agreement on that zero. So my concern is that the energy committee is not delivering on the things that it's trying to do. So it concerns me that maybe they're trying to do too many things. Having said that, I've read the resumes of the three people who are proposed here and there's absolutely nothing in my comments that's intended to question or disparage these three people who I think at least two of the three were already volunteering with the committee. So where I'm coming from on this is got to do with the, the activities of the energy committee itself. Uh, I was thinking I was going to go in to say, I think we should defer this. I will, I will defer my position on that to a discussion, whether you all think it's a great idea to expand the energy committee by three more members. I think these are worthy members if we decide to do that. But then I would like a request to have the chair of the Energy Committee come into one of our meetings for an explanation of what the heck happened for net zero. So I am uh, fully in agreement, Gus, that we sh should separate the two. Yep. Um, I'm, I agree with you that the individuals here are um, 
well qualified to do this, and, and I, I think we should separate those two. And I think we should have as a set agenda item um, an opportunity <coughs> for the energy committee and whichever. Now, again, we may have to move to like the high school auditorium so the energy <laughs> committee can come, but we can have the energy committee come and, and we can have like an airing of grievances with the energy committee. And I say that in a lighthearted way, yeah. but it's in other words, we're going to come in and we're going to talk it out, right? In a in a in that forum. So, so then the question on the table here is, and Pete, you're on, you're on the energy committee, so I'll make a presumption that you agree with the expansion of yet three more people. I am skeptical of that, but I'm not adamant that we not do it. So, Mike, I guess you have. I'll listen to you. Yeah, I, I think we ought to add these folks. They're interested in doing it. They're qualified. I think that the the question of what the energy committee is and should be doing is a separate question. Okay. That's apart from these three folks being on there. So I would favor <clears throat> adding these three. Um, okay. So you're going from 12 to 15. Well qualified, expanding from 12 to 15, um, and then setting up as an agenda item one of our November meetings okay. to have this discussion that you want to have. Okay. We can post that as the agenda item. The energy committee can prepare and come in, and right. we can have that discussion. So that's what I would prefer to do. Um, and Fred, I see that you've raised your hand and that you're, you're putting a question in the Q&A, but we'll, we'll defer that to November as well. So do we have a motion for this? Sure. I move that we increase the size of the Energy Committee from 12 to 15 members and appoint George Whiting, James Redden, and Andrew Gerald as the new members of the Medfield Energy Committee for terms to expire June 30th, 2022. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, consent agenda. We have five items. Uh, Medfield Lions request uh, one-day beer and wine lion licenses for the Lions Senior Holiday Luncheon on Sunday, December 12th, 2021 at the Center and their dinner meeting on Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021 at the Center. Uh, vote to approve and sign resolution recognizing the Medfield Food Coverage 30th anniversary. And vote to accept the resignation of Liz Sandeman from the Medfield Outreach Advisory Board. Boy Scout Troop 89 requests permission to place a sign at the Medfield Transfer Station <laughs> announcing Christmas tree pickup and recycling program. And the Church of the Advent requests permission to post signs from October 30th to November 3rd, 2021 for its annual holiday bazaar scheduled for Saturday, November 13th, 2021. Any comments on the um, consent agenda? I have one comment. Uh, I spoke with uh, Boy Scout Troop 89 representative today, and they would like to go from just the transfer station to all the approved locations if it's okay with you. Okay. Any issue with that? I have permission with that. No. Any questions on any of the consent items at all? No. All right. With the amendment to the consent item uh, that the Boy Scout troops would like their signs at all the approved locations, do we have a motion to approve the consent? I move that we approve the consent agenda items to include the re revision of the Boy Scout Troop 89 requests for sign locations. Second. All in favor? Yep. All right. We don't have any meeting minutes. Town administrator updates. Um. You will have meeting minutes very shortly because our recording clerk started this evening. Excellent. Uh, so you should have is it Is it Bill? He was asked. <laughs> um, and I have nothing else to All say. Right. Uh, next meeting date is November 2nd, 2021. November 7th, 2021. Special time meeting, November 16th, 2021. Selectman reports. Pete. I held office hours. It's the first Friday of every month. I hold office hours at the center, 9 to 10. Uh, the Medfield Foundation Legacy Fund uh, uh, met. 
and is in the middle of the uh, second round of of uh, soliciting grants or grant app applications for the uh, uh, legacy fund grants. And then the Med the energy committee met, and uh, as I'm on the uh, town of Medfield uh, community action plan uh, subgroup working group that's working on the plan for the town. That's it. And I don't I don't have much. I I was in a work tunnel last week, and at this this week I'm working to get through the warrant committee uh, video meetings uh, to try to come up to speed on some of the cost issues with the schools. Once again, I would like to recognize the warrant committee for what they're doing to dig in and digest and organize and communicate the what's a very complex issue. I don't think I have anything that comes to mind. I don't think we had. Um, I don't, we do we have another collective bargaining confirmed another date? Not yet. We're still working to confirm another date. It's a work in progress. All right. Finally, we need a, a motion to close the warrant for the uh, special town meeting. I move that we close the warrant. Second. For the special town meeting. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. And a motion to adjourn. I move that we adjourn. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. Meeting adjourned. Thank you all. Have a good night. <laughs>